Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear QA Live Podcast, or is it Live Podcast QA number 228? I hope you guys had a great weekend. That's about the most professional I'm going to sound for this rest of this uh, this time. So if you're new and this is your first time, just that's it. And then after this, it's just unprofessionalness. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, if uh, you're new and you're uh, joining me live for the first time, I uh, welcome you. Thank you for joining uh, live. And also, if you want to ask me a question or get a subject uh, to me, put the question mark at the beginning so I know you're talking to me. You can also super chat. I try to answer most of the super chats, especially at the end of the video. Try to get as much through those as possible. And uh, otherwise, sit back, relax, enjoy. If you're watching the rebroadcast, I timestamp everything, which I say that every week. And I don't know why, because every week somebody says, hey... Why don't you timestamp stuff? <laughs> so we timestamp everything, or I timestamp everything, so that you can go right to any subject that we talk about. All right. What else? <laughs> uh, the what, uh, crazy week. So I know I already seen a bunch of you here, a bunch of questions. Uh, interesting week. I'm sure we're gonna have a lot of guitar stuff to talk about. Um, and uh, let me get started with some of the early. Uh, risers, I guess is what we're going to call them. Uh, I think I keep changing it. Early birds, early risers, people who come before the show starts and throw in some comments or questions. And then I kind of peruse them to see if there's anything to get us started with. And, um, and, um, this one was from Mr. Fancy Hands who said, if I tune a guitar that's usually in standard, down a step, do I need to adjust the guitar? Can I just tune down and not worry about it? Yeah, you should. You should be able to uh, tune a guitar down a definitely a half step, probably a full step without any issues. Okay, so in other words, we're talking about taking it from uh, E to D. You shouldn't have any problems. Drop D, in other words, where you just drop in E to D, no problem. Uh, open tunings as well, like if you're tuning to open G, you, you shouldn't have problems with that either. Most guitars should be able to do that without uh, going awry. If it does, it's probably because your action is just super, super uh, low. And what's happening is, is obviously as you loosen the tension of the strings, uh, you're going to be loosening the tension uh, against the neck, and the neck... Uh, will kind of relax is the best way to put it and kind of kind of straighten it straighten out and kind of go backwards and uh, if the strings are really low it's going to pull them downward that's probably the best way to do it verbally to explain it so the answer to your question is no you shouldn't have any issues but if you do it's probably because of that and uh, in that case you just can make an adjustment to your bridge to raise the action or you can loosen the truss, uh, truss rod just slightly um, which is probably probably faster and easier but I don't think you're going to have to have that problem. It's uh, it's not very likely. In fact, it's more likely you won't have it than have it. Um, Adrian. Adrian came early and said, Hey, Phil, loving the podcast clips, the pod clips. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, do you prefer leveling beams or leveling files for leveling frets? Uh, thank you, Aaron, for our Adrian. Sorry, Aaron. Sorry, Adrian. Thank you for the, the pod clap, uh, pod clip. <laughs> pod clip uh comment um thank you i've been doing a lot of them or a lot of them trying to get out one a week um obviously with a huge back catalog like we have it'll be a while before we ever catch up to the ones where we do the recent show is the one we have clips of um unless we try to change that up a little bit but um also i'd like to give some shout outs uh to charles and some other patrons who are going through the shows uh for me 
and finding interesting things and just sending me timestamps like, hey, this would be an interesting one. And um, it's really cool. So if anyone want to do that, I mean, I can't guarantee anything. If you send it to me, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll, I'll you know, if it's interesting enough and I think it can work and I can find it, I'll do it. And, uh, and uh, I appreciate you doing the work for me because that is a lot of the work is scouring the the old episodes for these interesting little clips. But, um, but if you do, uh, just keep in mind, try to look for something that at least I'm talking for at least four minutes because I want them to be at least five minutes long. And, uh, if it's three to four minutes, it's still fine because I end up adding to the, to the clip. And then, uh, there you go. Um, so back to, <laughs> back to, uh, his question, which is fret leveling beams or fret files. Um, I use both, and usually I'll use the beam if it's a new new fret job. So, for instance, if I refret a guitar or if I'm fretting a guitar for the first time and the first time the next getting frets, I use the beam. I like it. If you're using a beam, you're usually using the sanding paper, and it just works great. It's what they would use in the factory. It works perfectly uh, fine for getting all the frets perfectly level. The fret files, which are usually six-inch files, so a little shorter, um, I like them for when I'm trying to do a guitar, especially, let me give you a scenario where I'll use the fret files the most. I'm looking at a guitar and I'm finding about six or seven, maybe 10, doesn't matter, just, just a few high spots, you know what I mean? So now we collectively have maybe six or seven frets that are high in spots or just entirely across the entire fret. And I like the, what I like about the fret file is, uh, I like the feel of when I'm moving across the frets and, and, and when I feel the higher fret, I can kind of dig into it a little bit. I mean, it's really subtle. I'm not really kind of going crazy, but just a little bit. And then when I'm over the frets that I know are pretty level, I'm kind of barely skimming them because I don't want to really have to do more work than I have to. And so, uh, that's a fast way to basically crown all our, yeah, level all the frets and then I can just crown them over. So I use both. Um, but like I said, it depends. I tend to use the fret level file the most. I do have a video. I do not, which one do not, which I do not know which one I do not know which one. Um, but I do have a video where I talk about the three files that that's all you need and uh, i think it's every tools every guitar yeah it should be tools every guitar player should have in the video i did a bonus at the end because i didn't it's not so much i think every guitar player should have fret files but in there i say there's three files uh, files that i use and i actually state this uh that not only do i use them but it's the if i only needed three or like if i can only have three files or those tools those would be the ones i picked and that's why but the beams are Definitely helpful if you're refretting or if you're putting frets on for the first time. All right. Um, this next question was a really strange one. I got, I had to go and uh, I'm not even sure where to go and kind of start this conversation. So I guess uh, let me tell you first what this is. So the question is, Gibson is putting guitars on Rally. Um, what's interesting about this was it was an early kind of comment and then it was sent to me via an email too. And so, like I said, if I get a couple of the same questions, I kind of poke at it. It was apparently on Guitar World, but it's, it's now in their archives. So it's not on their main page anymore. So if you go to Guitar World, you're going to have to, uh, to check it. And you know what we can do is let me do that right now, because this is kind of a strange thing. And, um, so I'm going to go into the search here. I'll just share with you guys. You should be able to hear me search it here. We're going to say Gibson and uh, Rally. 
and hopefully it'll pull it up. There it is. So this is this is the article, which isn't didn't come from Guitar World, from what I understand. It may have been pulled from somewhere else in Guitar World, just sharing the article. It says, Gibson redefines guitars as investments with the new Rally partnership. Now, before I go into uh, this, let me go back. Hold on. Me. I'm like jumping around trying to figure out where I'm at. Uh, Rally is an app, Okay. And, uh, and so it's an app that you can put on your phone and I am not associated with rally. I don't uh, know what rally is. <laughs> so other than it's an app on your phone and basically what they do is, and this is why I'm telling you, this is very basic information. Okay. But basically what they do is they, they take uh, vintage cars, vintage things, things that are apparently valuable, right? It doesn't have to be vintage. It could just be unique or valuable, maybe famous, like famous guitars. And they allow people that own them to basically allow you buy to buy shares in it, right? Um, for lack of a better explanation, it would be like, it, in theory, if I owned a 66 Corvette and it was really, really cool, right? Maybe it was owned by somebody famous. And um, I could basically put it up on this platform. It would be validated apparently. And then what happens is I could sell you guys, uh, investment opportunities in it. So for instance, you could buy a dollar, $5, $10, $50 into my car. And then when I sell this car, uh, of course, you know, whatever it was valued at, I guess, when you bought in, uh, whatever I sell it, the profit, it would be like stock. It's like turning your crap into stock. Um, I'm trying not to sound uh, <laughs> like I think this is stupid, but it's probably one of those things where a lot of people are going to make a billion dollars and a lot of people are going to lose some money. That's how that stuff seems to always work. Um, I'm a little, I try not to be pessimistic on that stuff, but I tend to have anything that's kind of set up like a Vegas scenario seems to always kind of scream to me. Somebody wins and a lot of people loses kind of thing, but who knows, <laughs> right? Um, so anyways, the important part of this is, let's get back to this, is that Gibson themselves have uh, put up some guitars. Look, Rally will allow users to invest 5 to $10 shares in three hand-built, one-of-a-kind, artist-approved Gibson custom shop prototypes. Um, uh, and then I don't know where the article goes. It's uh, everything now online where it jumps around. It's weird, right? Now I got to watch 50 advertisements. and then. Um, so basically, this is Gibson offering this up. And, uh, and I, I wonder if what they're doing is they're just putting it on this thing mostly to kind of validate themselves. You know what I mean? It might be a good strategy in that logic, right? Imagine it, uh, if, and I don't know this to be true, but imagine that if Gibson was putting themselves on this platform, because now think about the associative things, right? It's kind of like the Barrett, uh, Jackson auctions, right? Can't, you can imagine, right? Putting your car on the auction. Now your car is associated with cars that are sold by Jay Leno or whoever, right? So imagine Gibson's putting a couple of their own creations on this platform. People invest in it. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, the main question I want to get to was somebody asked, I want to get to the, the, the easy question. Is it legitimate? <laughs> yes. From what I can tell, that's why I'm saying I'm not associated with this. So I have no stake in the game. It seems legitimate in the concept of, yes, if you seems like if you get this app and send them $5, they're not running away uh, to some third world country with your money. As far as I know, it doesn't seem that way. It seems like it's been around for a little while and seems to be a lot of information dedicated to it. And 
that probably explains why Gibson is interacting with it because um, I'm sure even Gibson doesn't want to be on the local news, you know, <laughs> with some kind of fraud accusations and stuff. So it seems legitimate. Um, the second part of the question was, you know, what do I think of it? Well, that's kind of coming across, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, I'm, it's, so, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, uh, gamble. It's not my thing. So I'm not really into that investment strategies. Um, here's, here's my investment advice to myself. I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> I'm telling you what I tell myself and then I'm letting you hear it. Um, I only invest in things I understand. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. If I don't, if somebody has to explain it to me, I'm not doing it. Um, may not be the best advice, but it's the advice I give myself. I, I have m many investments in life, uh, but they're all of things I fully understand. I'm either in that industry or I'm in that market or I have a business in that market. And, uh, I feel like it's a daily thing. I know what's going on and, uh, and not that I disagree with any of the other investments in life. I just don't know. You know what I mean? If I don't know about them, I'm not going to try, try to pretend. Um, so I don't know much about this. It seems like another thing that's designed to get everybody to give them five bucks. <laughs> so there you go. I don't know. Um, so here you, here's the good news. Now you know about it. If you got five bucks and you want to buy an expensive artist Gibson, you know, I don't know. Me, I'd rather hand it off to a homeless person or something. I don't know. There seems to be something I'd rather. If I'm going to blow five bucks, I don't, I don't know what the return on $5 is going to be either. That's the other thing. So, uh, but there you go. And then I'm sure you guys are going to have comments, but it was interesting. It was interesting because like I said, of all the things that have come up in 228 episodes, that was the first one. I was like, what the hell is this? And stop turning. How about this? I have a better idea. If you, any of you that are really interested in doing that, how about I take one of my guitars and then what we'll do is <laughs> you guys can send me a buck and I'll be like, oh, um, by the way, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. Please don't send me a buck or even ask me to do it. Um, but it's still funny. Um, here's a joke there. Let me in on a funny joke. Wouldn't it be funny and literally funny if everybody invested in one of these uh, like custom shop Gibson Les Pauls and then the headstock got a crack in it? <laughs> <laughs> just it's just funny so you know i love gibsons I, as you guys know in the videos i play them a lot i bought all my gibsons gibsons never interacted with my channel like every gibson i own i bought and uh, and uh my love for gibson is is uh, exactly that it's the history of the guitars it's just the you know the artist it's that but um but still i gotta i gotta poke fun sometimes you know what i mean you can still love something and poke fun at it Brian says, I'll buy in on Phil's Copper Strat. Well, Brian, you might have an opportunity. <laughs> but not that one. Um, let's see. <laughs> uh so, uh, so a lot of you guys are asking some other questions about that. Like I said, I told you what I think I know and what I could figure out from it. Like I said, it, from what I can tell quickly uh, through some, uh, like I said, I had some time before the show started to do some quick internet searching, validate some stuff. I even downloaded the app on my phone, which is probably the dumbest thing I could do, but it's on my phone right now because, again, I wanted to see if it was legit and what it is and what I could find about it and it seemed pretty, pretty legit. Didn't look like I had to research it too hard. Um, okay. Hold on a second. So I guess 
<laughs> okay, I, I got to say it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is the Gibson rally thing is authentic. There, there's an authentic joke, even though it's been played and done to death. Um, okay, so let's get, uh, let me get some more of the, the kind of pre-show questions. I think I grabbed another one that was really good. Um, at least I thought I did. <laughs> Um, here's a question. Uh, Floopity Doo is one of the, uh, the moderators. And so that's why I grabbed it because I, I try to grab the moderator's questions when I can. And it says, what's the most expensive guitar you wanted to smash against the wall because it was such a pain in the ass to work on? Um, well, I've never wanted to smash a guitar uh, from that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Never smash it because I was, uh, uh, you know, kind of going nuts working on it. Um, you know, at the question, that core of that question is what really got me going on that was I'm trying to think, and I'm still am, I'm trying to think of a brand or a type of guitar that's expensive. That is, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you just how it is. I, I'll tell you the guitars that really still bug me a little bit. Um, I am not a fan. It's just, it's just like, uh, it's just a repair thing. Okay. So what I mean by that is it's not quality of consumer issues. It's quality of the repair tech issues. I hate all guitars where the truss rod is just a pain in the ass to get to. Truss rods are a simple thing <laughs> that can be adjusted very simply. It is not complicated. Um, you know, if you can turn a wrench, you know, it's like a, what's a, it's like a, uh, what do you call it? A, a dodgeball joke, but I'm going to change the joke, right? Instead of you can throw a wrench, you can throw a ball. If you can turn a wrench, you can turn a truss rod. Um, literally turning a truss rod is, should be an easy thing. It should be something that you should never have to pay anybody anything to turn your truss rod a little bit. It just seems silly to me. Uh, there's a lot of fear of them and some of it's warranted in the idea that don't use the wrong tool. You'll be fine. Make sure you use the right size Allen wrench. Um, there's actually an amazing thing if I haven't shared it with you. Um, uh, Music Nomad makes a, a, a truss rod adjustment kit. Now, it's mostly for electric, but it does do most acoustics, okay? It's a truss rod kit, and it's probably expensive. It's probably 50, 60 bucks. I have to tell you the honest to God truth, which is they sent one to me, but, but it, you don't need to buy it. Okay. Now I want to point out you should, cause I like music nomad and they were nice enough to send one to me. So I'm going to probably plug them for that. Cause that's, that's worth it. But what I will tell you that music nomad did that was amazing. is not just make you a little uh, toolbox. And again, easy to Google, uh, go on, you know, Stu Mac or not Stu Mac, I'm sorry, uh, Sweetwater or any of those kind of sites, you can find music nomad products. Um, you can get this kit and you'll have every truss rod you ever needed, but whether you buy the kit or not, on Stu, on, so I don't want to keep saying Stu Mac, I'm sorry, because I'm used to tools and Stu Mac. On Music Nomad's website, there is an Allen Wrench Finder. It's free. So you can type in any guitar. You just go, it's a drop down menu. Go Charvel, it would be like Japanese Charvel, uh, Made in Mexico Charvel, US Charvel, Made in China Charvel, all of them. You know, Gibson, you click any any type of guitar, you click it, it'll be a drop down menu through all the years, all the styles, and it will tell you exactly what wrench or socket wrench or allen wrench or tool that you need to make the adjustment no excuses for stripping truss rods anymore in my opinion there it is it's free if you want to buy the kit and make it dummy proof it's a nice little kit nice to have in your toolbox if you don't want to buy the kit obviously allen wrenches are really dirt cheap you can go down to anywhere and get them uh pick your hardware store of choice but now you have a free drop down resource that's pretty uh pretty cool but more importantly uh Adjusting a truss rod is a basically easy thing. Quarter turn in any direction, you shouldn't be damaging the truss rod in any way. You know what I mean? But 
Personally, I hate it when I have to take a neck off like a 50s era strat to adjust a truss rod. Um, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it's an extra step. To me, whenever they bury it, <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's not even design problems. Sometimes they just bury the truss rod in caked paint, uh, which happens a lot uh, in guitars. All of a sudden you pull the truss rod cap off and uh, the cover off, and there's just globs of crap in there, and you have to dribble it all out or chop it all out. And it's a really, you know, uh, you know. So that's what it is. I've never really want to smash them, but those things bum me out because like I said, it doesn't, nothing ever bugs me if it's long to work on. If I have to spend three hours on a guitar working on it, that's, that's just kind of the deal. The thing that bugs me is when something should be fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some things are just like, should take you a minute. When you spend 40 minutes on a truss rod adjustment, it's stupid. <laughs> so in my opinion, like I said, I only say that because I want to be clear. I have friends that are car mechanics, and they'll tell me what cars they hate. And even though I like those cars, I understand what they're saying. They hate working on them. You can get in and drive them all day. You'll never have a problem. But they hate where the car's stuff's located and how it is to adjust on. So that's what I'm trying to tell you. And this kind of complaint, my complaint is coming at it from someone who has to work on them. Um Casey Strange, you know what? Great question. I, I know it's a super chat and he just popped and it got grabbed my attention. That's one thing that's great about the super chats, real bright colors. Uh, it says, Do you think Epiphones are just novice guitars? You know, what a great question. And the reason is, is because um, I think they were. Now, obviously, we know Epiphones start out, everybody likes to go, Well, you know, they used to be a more premium brand than Gibson, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> before all of us were born. Maybe, maybe there's a couple of you that were born before that happened. I don't know. But. Uh, yeah, Epiphones used to be, used to be many, many, many years ago, maybe even now decades ago. Yeah, they were entry level, you know, novice guitars for beginners, for people who are on lower budgets. But now Epiphone has, I believe Epiphone has proven itself. I've said this, uh, I saw this uh, over and over again. I said it on every Gibson video. Like I just said earlier, I've bought every Gibson guitar that's been on this channel and every Gibson guitar video I've done a review, I've said it flat out and I'll say it again. I own Gibsons because they're great investments. They are great investments. Now, they're great investments for me because I don't buy them at the highest price. I don't pay full retail ever. I've never have. I'll usually buy them used or I buy them new when, when somebody's willing to give me a deal uh, and it's a good opportunity for me and I like them and they play great and they sound great. But I, will, I tell you guys all the time, if I didn't have the ability... Because uh, I do have that ability. What's nice about having a guitar collection, I thought I saw Scott Grove earlier in the comments. Perfect example. Uh, Scott is uh, definitely a very professional trader, right? Uh, in a, and the idea that he can trade the guitars around and trade up. Look, a lot of us have gotten our collections from that. You know, I watch, if you watch Scott's videos uh, from back in the day, in the new ones too, but the back in the day, you'll see he he's like, you know, two, two Mickey Mantle cards for a Babe Ruth, right? It's It's the strategy of, Okay, I get a guitar, it goes up in value, let that one go, and then that money now can get to another guitar, and there's all kinds of trading. So if if I wasn't, if I didn't have the ability to trade, uh, you know, up to guitars and get some Gibsons and have that ability, because there's the appeal to a Gibson for me, like I've said many times, is um, I can play it for years, 10 years, five years, two years, and then, you know, if I'm sick of it, I sell it and I get all my money back or more. In fact, I will tell you this. Um, I saw a comment earlier and 
I thought I captured it. It might tie in this. I want to say this. Um, this is absolutely true. So, you know, in fact, uh, it's a hundred percent true. Uh, I will buy, I buy Gibsons all the time. Um, I couldn't say I buy a Gibson every month. Uh, but I buy a Gibson pretty, a two, three, four Gibsons a year at least. And what I mean by that is, um, I don't, uh, my buddy Ralph, you guys know Ralph, he just bought a Gibson off me, a, a beautiful gold top, one of the gold tops I had, um, because he decided he wanted a gold top and he was talking to, and now because of the market, you know, a gold top standard is getting 1800 to $2,200, uh, used. And, um, I had a gold top at it. I hate to, I dare say an extra one, but I had an, an extra gold top, Les Paul, because I walked into a music store about a year and a half or two years ago. I can't remember the timeline exactly. Beautiful Les Paul gold top in perfect condition, new case, amazing, all, all, all stock. And uh, I walked out for $1,300 uh, cash. Uh, and I bought it. Why? Well, because not, I didn't even want one at the time or need one. Of course. Um, I like buying Gibson, especially Les Pauls whenever they're smoking deals, because I have learned that one day when I want, uh, you know, so I see an opportunity, let's say somebody has, um, I don't know. Let me use an example, just a generic example. Let's say somebody right now had a music man, Petrucci, uh, guitar, and it was, uh, $2,400, uh, you know, used in three grand new. And what's nice about that is I could pay, I could try to fight them and see if they'll take two grand for it. You know what I mean? Try to get a deal. But that's one, it's not very fair to them. And two, uh, you know, they might not even do it. So sometimes it's easier if I'm like, oh, I'll trade you a Gibson Les Paul. And uh, right now they're going for about 1800 to two grand. So why don't you give me two grand and I'll give you 500 bucks, right? So Les Paul and 500 bucks cash. Now, if they take that deal, right? I just told you I paid 13. So now I'm $1,800 into this guitar. That's everybody's asking 25. So I have, it happens all the time. What I found is, um, and I think that was the core of the question earlier that I, I caught the, uh, the glimpse of, which was what guitars, um, have the best trade value. And it's, it's Gibson's without a doubt. Then it's probably Fender's after that, but it will always be Gibson's. There's always somebody that's willing to buy a Gibson from you. You'll never, uh, and I learned that. I want to tell you that. It's, it, I'll tell you where I learned it. In the, in the worst day, at the worst hour, at the worst minute of the recession of 2000, you know, the seven, 2007 to 2010 era recession, whenever uh, you want to, whatever you want to say it was. Some people think it's like six to 10, sometimes five, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. If you just think about the worst day, the worst hour, like I said, the worst minute of that recession, I could still sell a used Gibson in my store. There was no problem. People come in, it was a hard time, you know, for all, everybody out there, as you, anybody knows, it was a hard time out there and trying to move, you know, a Squire, <laughs> you know what I mean? Even at a great deal, you're like, I got a $300 Squire brand new on the wall. You know, hey, we'll do 50% off. I mean, it was still people would walk out if they weren't, you know, but no one walks out on a good deal on a Gibson. So that's why I kind of started uh, doing that. And uh, what ties into all this is back to that same thing. It's the, it's the, that's why I do it. Good value, good trades. Good. It's easy to do. And you believe it or not, what's weird is no matter what the market is, including last year, you can always find a deal on a Gibson. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not even desperate people. That's what you think it would be. It's just sometimes there's just deals on Gibsons. So 
Yeah. You know, uh, so Brian's saying time is hard. when times are hard, can't sell a fender, but a Gibson still moves. Fenders will still move, but, you know, we all know what it is. You got to have a fender. Uh, fender, you have to have a USA one and maybe a, Me a made Mexico one sometimes will always have some kind of weight and value. Um, but, uh, but Gibson will always be this thing that people will grab, you know, it's just, it's just how it is. Yeah. Uh, Stout Coffee says I'm holding on to my dumpster Gibson V for as long as I can. Love the alder body on it. Yeah. Well, you know, I just, uh, you guys, if you, I saw my collection video, I, show, I showed you, I have a Gibson V and, um, that was a rescued guitar like a rescue dog. It was a rescue dog. Uh, it's a rescue guitar. I bought that Gibson V because the uh, same thing. It was a smoking deal. That guitar was owned by my buddy, Brian, who owns Paint Huffer, and he traded into uh, Zim's guitars, and then Zim had it in the store. And since Zim is a dealer, um, see, Brian, I wouldn't have dared offer him a low-bid offer because he's my friend and it's just not cool. Um, but what happened with Zim's was, Zim's, because he has a little store, if you guys don't know Zim's guitars, it's in Mesa. It's a small, it's a used store, small store, small mid-sized store, does used guitars. Um, when I saw it, as soon as I saw it, I recognized it, that it was Brian's. And uh, and I asked uh, uh, Dane, I said, hey, uh, you want to trade? And he's like, yeah. So I brought him some trades. And what worked out was exactly what I'm telling you. I brought him a bunch of stuff he could sell inexpensive guitars, inexpensive pedals, things that just going to fast flip and stuff that I had very little money to into it. So, uh, like I said, uh, that V I probably got into it for about $500 of cash money, uh, and value for me into a white Gibson V with a hard shell case. And, uh, he was, I think he was asking about a thousand for it. So you can imagine he got over a thousand dollars worth of stuff he can sell. So he'll make about $1,200, maybe $1,500 worth of stuff when he sells all that stuff. Um, and I'll, I'm into the guitar for 500 bucks and I, I don't know what it's worth right now, but I would say it's about worth 1500 bucks because they just keep going up because, uh, right now it's a little tricky to kind of gauge that guitar because Gibson's not producing a whole lot of, of those style V's right now. They're producing all these really expensive V's and that clouds the market a little bit. All Gibson's got to do is put out some more affordable, uh, V's, uh, USA V's and it'll kind of tank the value a little bit, but I don't think it'll ever go back under a thousand dollar value. So my answer, my, what I'm telling you guys is, is that I love the V. I'm enjoying the V. I play it every day. It's downstairs in my front room. I love it. But that guitar eventually when it hits a certain value point or there's an opportunity for me to get something I really crazy want, maybe I'll use it then. Just how it works. I, I wish I had just this, you know, deep wallet bank account and I could stroke checks left and right for all the dream guitars I want. But the dream guitars I want, uh, you know, I've had to figure out how to get them this way through trades and stuff. Um, so all of that is to answer your question about Epiphone. Uh, not only do I think it's not a hobbyist brand or an entry-level brand anymore, not only do I think it's quality uh, a quality product, um, like I said, other than the collectability of owning a Gibson for that sole purpose, that's the only reason I pick Gibsons over Epiphones. That's it. Like I said, if Gibsons wouldn't hold any value at all, or not even all. If Gibson's held value like a lot of other high-end guitars, um, I would play. I would play Epiphones. I wouldn't be losing my money. I wouldn't be buying Gibson's if they lost my money. It would be. It just wouldn't be worth it. I I feel fine when I play Epiphones. Uh, worst case for me, Epiphone. I change out the pickups. That's worst case for me. I usually don't have to change out much on an Epiphone. And a lot of the new, newer, nicer ones have nice pickups.
Okay, uh, I've been rambling. So, hold on. I know, I, again, I know I have super chats and stuff, but as you guys know, I try to hit as many of the interesting questions and then the, the super chats are great. I appreciate you guys because like I said, it, it helps me when kind of dead time. Let's see if I can find... Um, Magic Man says, why are Gibson's short scale? Uh, he didn't, uh, I, I'm assuming it could be, you could be talking about a different thread where you're talking about other kind of short scale bases and stuff. Um, Gibson's uh, uh, being the 24 and three quarters scale, that's not really short scale. It's the kind of strange thing about that. Um, I wouldn't call that short scale. Um, I don't even know if that's technically medium scale. So uh, they're just shorter than fenders. And then, of course, everybody kind of has their own kind of thing. Like, obviously, PRS is 25-inch scale, uh, Fender 25 and a half. Although Fender does have shorter scale instruments. Uh, in fact, like I said, the, the uh, Jaguar is shorter scale. I think that's 24 even, right? 24 even scale. For those of you guys that may be out there with the internet or have one, can correct me if that's wrong. I, thought, I know it's shorter than Gibson. I just don't know if I can remember off the top of my head. Um, but... Um, that's just the way they do it. But like I said, I wouldn't consider that a short scale instrument if that's what we're talking about. Um, just like I was talking about my bases and my preferences for bass at 32 inch scale bass is a medium scale bass. It is a medium scale bass, but I don't, like I said, I don't consider that a short scale bass. So I wouldn't consider 24 three quarters short scale if, uh, if that's what we're kind of talking about. Yeah, William <laughs> William says, I wish I would have bought my brother's Wine Red Les Paul Studio for 500 bucks back in 2005. Yeah, yes, yes. Oh, well, I can tell you right now, if you're going to, the funny thing besides all the high-end guitars, of course, that have been booming, and that's going to bring up the next subject, right, by the way, the boom and now the decline. Um, the, uh, yeah, the old days of walking into, and it was usually Guitar Center. They were notorious for this. Uh, but you could walk into a music store, especially a Guitar Center, back in the day, 2005 especially, uh, pick up Satin. Remember Satin? Uh, guitar Center had a deal with Gibson to do those Satin studios where they just didn't have finish on them. And you could pick those up. I mean, you could pick them up used to 300 bucks back in 2005 to all the way up to probably 2008, 2009, still picking them up under $500 and then uh, Fender uh, Gibson selling our guitar center selling $500 new um, lots of great deals on those kind of guitars the studio of all the Gibson guitars that have gotten really expensive the studio is still the one to this day that kind of shocks me it always takes me back I never seem prepared for it it's funny like they can show me this Tom Murphy for like eight grand and um, like whatever and I'll be like oh okay eight grand I mean I'm you know it's crazy but I'll, all right they can show me custom shops. You you guys, like I said, you were talking about the Jerry Contrell, uh, Les Paul, and you're like, $10,000. I'm like, oh, $10,000. But for some reason, I'm still taken back when people are like, Gibson Studio, $1,500. I'm like, $1,500? You know what I mean? For a studio. Woo! You know what I mean? It's funny to me. I don't know why the studio itself, which is we talked about last week, is one of my favorite Gibson Les Pauls, uh, is shocks me so much. But it was always, like, the studio was... The studio was always this guitar that I think I romanticized that, you know, when you think about a company and you don't, you think that they, maybe they are, maybe they are who they say they are. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe Gibson is a bunch of guitar players who just loves guitar. And then, you know, maybe it's not this big corporate thing that we all kind of suspect it kind of is. 
Um, when you see stuff like the studio and stuff, yeah, I always, I always romanticize when companies, especially companies that make really expensive guitars and by the way, can do it effectively, make affordable guitars for the average working type musician. You know what I mean? And, um, and I always felt the studio was that, you know, no excuse. You could get yourself a real Gibson if that's something that matters to you. So you're on stage with the real Gibson and you could play and it was like a nice thing. And the studios now just feel kind of like they're really on the high end of that price spectrum. And that's, again, I'm not saying that's for sure. That's not a fact. I'm just telling you how I feel. That's how I feel. I react to those a lot. Um, so there you go. Uh, oh, so that ties into this. So uh, guitar market, what's funny was somebody said, uh, somebody was asking about the guitar market and how uh, is the boom going? You know, we've had this this boom going on now uh, since it looks, I'll, I'll, it looks like it was about uh, May of last year, May, May of 2020. So if you guys don't know, obviously a lot of you do know, but I'll, I'll cue you up uh, for, for the rest that, did, that may not know. Uh, last year when COVID happened, uh, in March, it starts in March, you know, in the U.S. And the idea that, you know, they start doing, they start changing the lockdowns and doing all this stuff. The guitar market, the guitar industry, we saw a decline very quickly um, across the board. Sales start dropping. Uh, and this goes into April. But then about, for some manufacturers, mid-April, some late April, um, April, we start seeing an increase in sales. In fact, online sales start skyrocketing like off the charts, as we all know. Everybody kind of knows how this works because it happened through every industry, you know, from everything from, you know, even uh, pet adoptions, I guess, were at record highs during COVID. Now, interesting enough, just like on a sad news to report that I've heard that I guess now not only was there record high pet adoptions during that time, but now I guess people are taking their pets back to the to these uh you know these uh adoption facilities because i guess they could go outside again and they're douchey people i don't know but interesting enough this summer because we're not done with third quarter yet obviously we'll hit fourth quarter in october but third quarter is showing uh across the board a not a drop we're not dropping in sales okay we are slowing though and this is what's important and this is what we talked about about a year ago when i said we would see a slowdown as soon as the not as soon as the covid kind of opens up as soon as more people go outside and of course this can all change again if we get locked down who knows but i'm just giving you the information i have which is um a lot of the manufacturers and a lot of retailers saw a slowing effect so far in third quarter but slowing means still there ha- most companies that i've talked to almost all companies i've talked to is having a record year um in fact, you can still see it, record sales, record back orders. That still seems to be happening, but there's this, the first sign of a slowing effect is about now. Now, what does that translate to you and I in the market buying stuff? Well, I've already seen it personally. Um, uh, I've already seen where, uh, I'm going to say malleable, the sellers are a little bit more malleable. Uh, you can move them around and bend them a little easier on the price. Uh, I've already seen that where before it was like, you know, this is the price and good luck getting it. And to be honest with you, a lot of times you couldn't even try to negotiate because not only was their price obnoxious, but it would sell so fast, as you guys know. Uh, not only I'm, I'm seeing a lot of stuff, and I think a lot of you too, and a lot of you guys sending emails, seeing the same thing I'm seeing, which is a lot of stuff sitting on reverb a little longer than normal. Um for sure. In fact, think of this. There's a couple of things that I've been personally interested in, and I've uh, 
I reached out to them over a month ago, uh, at least three or four different items. And all those sellers I reached out to about over a month ago, and none of them was willing to negotiate or find a, uh, find a deal. What's funny is now a month later, every single one of them still have this stuff in my in my you know watch list. They're still for sale. And a lot of them have dropped the price below what I offered them just a month ago. So it's kind of funny. I even thought, well, maybe it's time to kind of pull the trigger. But sometimes, as you guys know, you move on. You're not interested anymore. So we're noticing that. Um, an amplifier that I couldn't even find last year, I was able to secure a really deep discount on through a retailer. So that's another thing. So again, I'm just letting you guys know you're starting to see a little bit of that. Um, the used prices. So the reason I tell you that is really, really, really important. Because I still, and amongst all that, that data, which is easy to find, by the way, that there is a, a like, like I said, a normalizing effect. I don't even want to call it a slowdown because a lot of you guys are going to kind of jump to conclusions of this. Again, before there's any kind of real problem, where you got to get back to the old boom. There was a boom before this boom. We were in a marketing upswing as an industry as we hit into COVID. So the industry was already doing well, and then COVID happened, and then that industry, like a lot of industries, interpreted it as we would drop. And instead, it took off even harder. Um, we got to normalize back to just the first boom. So even the first boom means a lot of stuff's going to be selling. However, that being said, I'm still seeing dumb people out there asking insane, stupid prices on used gear. I'm calling you dumb because if you're one of them and you're watching right now, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> Stop putting stuff used for more than new. No one's going to buy it. Just because, and here's what's sad. They're all going to learn real hard. I'm, I'm telling you all, if you're one of them right now, I'm warning you as a friend, I'm telling you, there's a couple of things I noticed right now where people are asking more than new on some used gear. And they're asking that because there's, if you go to look for it new, you can't find it and they're on back order. Well, let me tell you, everyone's slowly catching up. So that back order will get filled and the retailers will be back in stock. And then you will go back to the old used days where you get a lot, lot less than what you're asking now. So I think uh, if you're selling your stuff new, are you selling stuff used right now? Uh, I wouldn't tell you, I'm not telling you to sacrifice it. Don't worry. The market still uh, seems like it's doing well, but definitely I would, uh, don't get greedy. I think it's going to backfire on you. So there you go. Something to think about, but that's just some, some information. Um, yeah, uh, Jim says from Ohio. It's literally a sign on. Is Jim from Ohio? So he's probably from Ohio, and then he's okay. He says, uh, "I'm assuming Craigslist CL dealers are price gouging big time, and nothing is moving." Yeah, nothing's moving. Let me. Let, we all seen it. There's 961 of you here watching live. You, I know if you're out there looking at gear right now, you know what you're seeing exactly what I'm seeing um, on a micro level. I'm telling you, it's happening on a macro level, which is everyone who's at, has their prices up high are not selling anything, and they think if you think it's just a waiting game it's not going to work for you it's not because we're not going in the direction you want you want to be in um like i said don't sacrifice your stuff don't blow it out cheap don't don't be dumb but don't be greedy because the you know you shouldn't have been greedy during this whole thing but you at least got away with it back then you're not going to get away with it now it's it's not moving fast enough for you um so that's interesting 
Jason says, exactly, $800 to $1,000 for an analog King of Tone pedal. Well, the King of Tone pedal, and this is just my theory on the King of Tone pedal, as we've talked about, and I've openly told you guys this before, I had a King of Tone pedal when mine was worth way more than what I paid for it. I sold it, just like I had a Klon when it was worth way more than I uh, was, you know, way more than I paid for it. I sold it, not, and I also admitted that I sold it a lot less than what they're worth now, but I still got $1,500 for my Klon when I only paid $350. So... You know, to me, it was like, I paid 350 I make 1500 bucks. Do I want, you know, basically 1150 bucks? Yeah. <laughs> so I did it. Could I wait it? But so you know, they were $1,500 for about five years before they jumped to the, the crazy number, uh, which that number was crazy. They went crazier. I believe King of Tone... Look, I believe the Klon thing is so stupid that not only has it gotten out of control, like everything, I always say this, bad ideas are infectious. It's why everyone who has a job knows this. Whenever one of your, uh, whenever your dumb cohorts basically comes up with a bad idea that the company adopts, it's like that, but it's like infection, right? It basically that bad idea just goes so fast, it's like a fire, and you can't stop it. And uh, like my biggest favorite joke before I tell you the thing about the, the Klon is uh, one of my favorite things is I used to make this joke when I lived in uh, when I worked in corporate world. I used to say, um, "You fire the idiots, and then the idiots go to the new company and convince the company that they're geniuses, and now the new com- that new company they work at follows the idiots." <laughs> so, anyways. Back to this idea. Um, the Klon basically is this weird, fluky, stupid thing where somebody takes a basic pedal and then obviously now it's worth five grand. Um, and, and again, I'm not denying that it's a great sounding pedal. Uh, and if you have one and it's your it's your baby, good for you. I have stupid things too. Look, we all ha- we all believe in stupid things. Like I said, this is an emotional thing. If you're always going to be analytical about it, you're not going to go far in playing music, at least, right? Because it's an emotional thing. But that being said, I believe the Klon thing got out of control so bad that what happens is, especially collectors, they they tend to feel these kind of fires the more so. And and again, I'm guilty of all the things I accuse of to some degree. Um, They're looking for the next Klon. What's going to be the next thing? It's going to be the King of Tone. Oh, it's going to be the Zen Drive. Oh, it's going to... What other pedals can't you not get or not get fast enough? And that's what starts all this stuff. And, um, you know, I'm I'm not into that. That's why I told you guys I'm not into vintage stuff. I love vintage stuff. I plug into it and I go, yeah, that's straight, great. Strat's great. But I'm not paying $20,000 for a Strat. Just not going to do it for me. If you, if you, it makes you happy, it floats your boat. It's a, it's a, it's a free country. <laughs> Enjoy your money. You know, spend it the way you feel uh, makes you happy and go for it. But I can only tell you what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> Scott says it's the Wrath of Klon. Yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. Um, so yeah, the King of Tones, and they'll probably all go stupid money because people will keep doing it. But you know, here's the deal. Kind of like that Gibson idea with buying stock in a guitar. That's what you're doing when you're playing those games. Whenever you're buying a piece of gear because you think it's going to go up in value, uh, you're playing a, a scary game. You know what I mean? Uh, like I said, remember I told you earlier on the show, I don't invest in things I fully don't understand. Well, at some point you get to the you get to the, the high end of the market and the returns get a lot smaller, and that's when I I kind of jump off the train, so to speak. Um. Okay, hold on. Brian's talking about the uh, Lawrence Petros Klon. Uh, Lawrence makes a Klon, a clone style clone that has more mids, which is a very good pedal. So that's the Embers. 
And I think you can, I can't, you can't get any more, but there was the nice pedal A, right? Which is like the same pedal, something to that effect. Um, which is now probably more valuable. See, the nice pedal A will probably be worth five grand one day. <laughs> or whatever the uh, Canadian to US conversion rate of that is. Uh, Lisa says, it's weird listening on YouTube. I'm a podcast listener fan. I appreciate that. Uh, and I, I can imagine it's strange. <laughs> I, I I feel for everyone who has to listen to me every week because I have to listen to me every week because I have to timestamp all this stuff and edit and do all this stuff when I, you know, did the pod clips and stuff. So I, I yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, let's... Let's go to some questions. I got some, I'm going to do some super chats real quick. Let's hit some. Uh, thank you guys for the super chats and supporting the, the show. Let's see what you guys are talking about. Uh, Greg wants us to know, what does Greg want us to know? He wants us to know it's happy Labor Day. It is a happy Labor Day. It's a three-day weekend. And uh, and so, you know, just on a side note, my wife is going to be brisket on Monday. But what's exciting is, is my daughter is also making brisket and they're having like a brisket competition so one's got to kind of smoke it in the smoker and the other one's doing another style. So we get to see like who makes the best brisket. And um, there seems no downside there for me. <laughs> so I'm very excited about this. This seems like to be the, this is the highlight of the, the weekend for me. Uh, it says, okay, shout out to the quality of the Know Your Good, Know Your Gear hoodie. So we bought a hoodie. Uh, very pleased that it's uh, not the usual internet cheap material uh, that some sell. Now I'm waiting on a ball cap to come out. Okay. So great segue for a couple things, fun things. First, uh, I want to do a shout out to Aaron. Look at that. Aaron short music. Check out his channel. This is called sound hold sniffer. He sent me this shirt. I'm like holding it weird. Here it is. It looks like a record. It's the sound hole for acoustic sound hole sniffer. Apparently, uh, you know, it's for people who like to sniff sound holes. I have to admit I, everybody, I think, can say this. When you walk in an acoustic room in a music store, it's kind of a pleasing, pleasing experience, right? Um, so thank you, Aaron, for the shirt. My wife sent you a shirt. I confirmed today. She sent you a custom shirt. So I hope you like what uh, we came up with for you. Um, so thank you for the shirt. I want to, and like I said, check out his channel. I'll make sure to link it in the index. The other thing is, um, uh, if you guys didn't know, I guess, uh, uh, Teespring raised the prices uh, on the 1st of September. Um, I tr chose not to, I kind of not raise my prices as much as I could. So I'm eating a little bit of that, which is fine because it's still, it's all supports the channels. It's fine. But one of the things it did is improve the quality. So if, uh, so Greg, basically what I'm telling you is you probably got some of the new quality improvements because obviously a lot of people complain about uh, Teespring's quality, but also uh, credit to my wife, she, uh, string, st string swing, st uh, Teespring, when you make your products, you get to choose different levels of qualities and stuff. And so my wife tries to pick the best qualities. Uh, and then we just discount it on our end because of that, because that reason, um, back to the hat thing. If you notice my new hat, no check mark. Now, the reason is, is cause I actually am wearing this hat. Somebody asked me, uh, last week, I didn't answer them. Like what happened to the check mark hat, the, the, the uh, Vans hat. Um, I actually have about six or seven totally, see, boring, all black hats. Why am I wearing them? I'm actually uh, wearing to see, I promised my wife I would do this. I bought uh, six or seven hats. I have another pile of them somewhere of all these kind of hats. Um, and I'm wearing them to see which hat I like the most. Then once we decide which hat we liked, I like the most, she's going to have uh, Know Your Gear hats made. Um, 
And so that's what's going on. Uh, so the New York Gear hats will be made, but it's I first got to decide which which style brand and style out of the stuff. So I've been doing research. So far, I like this one I'm wearing the most. Uh, Jeff Parker. Uh, Jeff, hey, Jeff. Uh, I think Jeff is a new patron as well, too, I believe, Jeff. You must have joined. I think I remember. I think I saw you just join, so I hope I'm right. Uh, it says, hey, Phil, uh, follow-up to the video uh, you did in October. Okay, 2020 Daddario backpack. Yes, okay. It says, now playing live again. Good for you, and I'm great, great to hear that because it's always nice that as normalizing thing happens. Um, he says, have you used it much? Thoughts a uh, year later. I still love it. Let me tell you the deal on that backpack. So he's talking about, like I said, a year ago, I did the uh, Diodario Diodario uh, backpack. They sent one to me. I did a video review of it. I've been using it nonstop. I'm using it currently now. I can't say I've taken it many places because of the lockdown, but I have taken it. Uh, I mean, I've taken it on trips, a bunch of trips already. I've taken it around and stuff, but I use it every day. It's actually in the other room. It's where I keep, still keep all of my recording equipment. I actually use it as like a centralized carrying bag. Uh, for it. Uh, absolutely love it. My critiques are still the same critiques when I did it, that video, which is, I wish, you know, some of the, the zippers had like labels and stuff. Um, other than that, it's fantastic. And I wish they could have like, you know, come together and lock a little bit like a padlock or something. Other than that, it's very good. Um, very, very nice. I have a couple friends who checked it out who's into these things more so than me, and they told me it was really cool, but they said there's some other backpacks on the market that are also very expensive, if not more expensive, that might be cooler. But like I said, love it so far. No, no complaints. Um, like I said, obviously I didn't get rid of it. I kept it. It was great. So I still hold true with that review. So that's good to know. Uh, D Sharon says for having your wife put back the know your gear telegaster shirt. So he just super chatted me for that. Yes. Uh, uh, my wife, uh, this week, uh, my wife put in a couple shirts back into the shop, um, because somebody requested a te the telecaster shirt again. So we currently have, I have no idea. <laughs> I was about to give you some information. I don't have, I currently have, I have no idea how many shirts. If you want to guess, I think we have like 150 different logoed shirts that my wife has created for so many patrons and so many viewers over the years and all kinds of stuff. Um, so sometimes when you reach out, if you send me an email about any of that stuff, uh, I am very, I, I tell my, I'm here. My wife actually tell me not to say what I'm about to say. I say, I'm very lazy. I'm going to forward it to you. I can hear my wife saying, you're not lazy. You're busy. Every time I tell somebody I'm lazy, cause I'm not, I, that's my excuse. I go, when I don't get something done, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just being lazy. My wife's like, you're not lazy. You're busy. It's always nice to have somebody, you know, kind of <laughs> championing you. But, uh, so in this case, in her words, I'm busy. I will forward it straight to her and she will take care of anything that's merch wise. She's pretty good at getting that stuff done. Um, like I, like I said, we just try to keep the merch relevant. Keep in mind, to me, the merch is just a vehicle to donate for the channel. I appreciate every single one of you guys that buy any of the merch. I know that wearing stick figure shirts isn't the greatest thing ever. I know that you're doing it just to support what I do, and I appreciate it. So like I said, so we try to keep it fun and exciting for everybody. Uh, so there you go. Um, this is uh, from Stupid Fingers. He says, hey, Phil, easy question. I hope so. This is, uh, to what email address should I send KYG shirt photos? This is a very shirt themed. I didn't plan this. Uh, yeah, you just send it to pmcknight7 
at uh, gmail.com. When it comes to shirt photos and stuff like that, you can send it to Ask Know Your Gear, uh, P. McKnight 7. Look, let me explain the email thing to you guys. It's very simple. I have no control of how emails come to me. So what happens, generally speaking, if you guys, uh, it makes sense what I'm, what I'm about to say. If I have a viral video, like if I put out a video and it gets like 200,000 views, let me tell you, you're not getting an email to me for nothing. There's, I'll get like 20,000 emails because everybody watches that video has got a question and they like to send it to me. And I appreciate it, except for I can't answer them. And then, so for weeks, it's just like the mess of emails. And then, you know, maybe I put out a couple of videos and they get like 5,000 views and no one cares what's going on and stuff. And I, they've already forgot who I am and life's, you know, right? Remember that old YouTuber? Anyways, and I'll get like a few hundred emails. That's still a lot, but I mean, it's not, it's encouraged. So sometimes the tidal waves just kind of, Things get lost in a mix. Um, so that happens. But what I will tell you what I do is every day when I open my email, I look at the subjects that you guys put in the subject. And then I have folders and I have folders for certain things, right? So if you're talking about like, for instance, uh, Bill, one of our viewers, Bill just donated to the Squishy Project and you want to let me know. He put in the thing. He was like, I saw the word squishy and I think I saw uh, like charity. When I see a word like charity, I have a charity folder. I see a word like t-shirt, I put in t-shirt folder. And then I kind of hit those folders to see what's in there so I can keep on that stuff. I try to stay, you know, like I said, I'd love to answer all your questions every week. I would, like I said, I would love it. It's, I, I mean, I enjoy it. I can sit for hours and drink coffee and answer questions. However, sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm 10 things behind on something. But I always try to get to the stuff like that, especially the shirt pitch picks. If you send me shirt picks, because I want to put them in the videos. It's, that's for me. It may seem like it's for you guys. It's for me. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, I told you guys, it's a weird thing. If I, uh, it, Maybe it's my ego. I don't know what it is. I just get great joy. Every time I see my stupid logo on anything, I think it's the coolest thing. Uh, not the logo, just it's just cool to see it on something, right? I don't know. It's a, it's a good feeling. I don't, I don't know why. It just is. It's uh, fun. I mean, I stick it. I have my New Year stickers on everything. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing. <laughs> so, all right. Um, cop a feel. Copperfield says, what's your opinion on the, the Fender uh, Noventa series? Okay, I was thinking of buying a Tele or an Epiphone, JJ in Gold Glory. Thanks for all you do. God bless. You know, unfortunately, this is where you guys, you have to understand, Fender and Epiphone have no interest, in my opinion. I, I hope, I'm not trying to insult those two companies. And there's nothing wrong with them. They're good companies. They, no, neither company send anything to the channel. And because of COVID, they've been all backordered like hell. So there's no readily easy way for me to get the gear. In other words, it's not like I have, as you guys know, if a company doesn't send me gear, I have no policy that says if a company doesn't support my channel, I don't support them. No, I'll buy whatever gear you guys talk about, or I'll find a way to get it, right? And 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 uh, and get it on the channel because it's something that matters to us as a community and it's interesting if it's interesting to you it's probably going to be interesting to me if it's interesting to me hopefully it's interesting to you um but lately in the last year if you guys haven't noticed on the ch show every time you guys bring up epiphone and squire i don't know anything about them because i'm not even looking i don't even know in fact i i see glimpses of like a new squire line i don't even know anything about it because i already know two things one they're never going to send it to the channel and I can't go down to my local stores and get it because they don't have any of it. And more importantly, because they don't have it, I can't get a deal on it, which is something I really kind of need when it comes to a video. 
I mean, it's just a, it's a practical thing. I want to save at least the sales tax or 10%, well, it's just like 10% off the product because immediately after the video, I like I said, I take and I sell that product, try to get as much as the money back as possible and churn it back into the account to get the next piece of gear. So a lot of times, the I, I'm sorry, I'm apologizing, you guys. When it comes to the Squire and Epiphone stuff, there's just... There, that's why it's been dead in the water. I bought an Epiphone Muse. Um, I I bought the Squire Affinity that you see behind me, which was which was you know that was actually late 2019. Um, so before you know what I mean the the boom. Um, I will buy more Epiphones and Squires when the opportunity arises, or maybe we can get um, Sweetwater to send some stuff out. I'd like to tell you that it's uh, so I I told you guys I won't tell you guys anything anymore that isn't 100. percent because of uh, last week's discussion, uh, maybe it was the week before, about Reverend, I contacted Sweetwater and Sweetwater sending out a Reverend. I get to si- I have to send it back as soon as I'm done, which is fine. Absolutely fine. They Obviously, Sweetwater, I sent them an email and I sent them exactly what you guys said. I said, I have viewers. They love the show. They love Reverend. They saw you guys are carrying Reverend now. Any interest in getting promotion on Reverend for you guys? And they said, sure, let's get a guitar out to you. And uh, so I'm telling you, I, I know it's coming because I already have the tracking number. And um, I don't know if the video will be out next week, but the worst case scenario is the following week. So that'll be exciting. And that's something you can get because I specifically talked to uh, my, my, my person, not my sales rep, but the marketing person at Sweetwater. We, we actually found uh, reverend stuff they actually have. So when I do this video, you guys, if you're interested in that t- particular line of product, they'll have it. Um, Robert Baker from New Jersey, Rob Baker. I noticed Rob used to be Robert Baker, and I think Robert changed it to Rob because he didn't want you know confusion with Robert Baker, the YouTuber. But Rob, I like Rob better than Robert, so I hope you like Rob. Says, uh, just wanted to drop a tip in the tip jar since it's been a while. Hope all is well, and thanks for all you do. No, man, thank you, uh, and uh, I appreciate the tip. <laughs> I need to come with a funny saying or something. Um, I always loved it. I miss, uh, you know, now because of the, you know, the lockdowns and stuff, I miss going to see local bands. And one of the things I used to love is, you know, all of us know a really cool local band that's really good at taking the tips. You know what I mean? When you put tips in their little tip jars on the stage, they always say funny things. Uh, I need to think of some of those funny things they say because I always love, I always love tipping bands that are funny when they tip them and they say something funny. Andy B says, what are your thoughts and opinions on GNL's magnetic field design pickups? My L2000 bass has them, and I have found I prefer them over Fender's bass pickups. I think that Leo Fender and his evolution of design through the Fender Music Man then to GNL system, I really believe that Leo was not only a genius in what he came up with, I believe that he continued to be a genius all the way until the, the end, and that every product he made was uh, never in my opinion, it was never like a, Hey, I'm going to cash in on my old ideas. Leo Fender is a perfect example of someone who's always coming up, always came up with a new idea. In my opinion, always came up with a new idea. And now everybody cashes in on his old ideas. So yes, I like GNL stuff. I think GNL was the evolution of Fender. Just like, I think I believe that it went the way it went, which is Fender as when Leo had it evolved. And then when he left Fender, you know, he left Fender, he cashed out, he got $10 million. He had a yacht. He had a nice life, right? He was young enough to enjoy that money in that yacht. And what did that guy do? He went and started Music Man and started going back to business again. And then he didn't enjoy the Music Man deal so much. So he went and started GNL with his buddy, George. Um, that's because he loved what he was doing. He loved designing stuff. Look, I'm around these guys all the time, these design guys 
these uh, all kinds of companies that I get to, I get to, uh, you know, Dave Freeman's one, John from Bad Cats one. Obviously, you guys know Lawrence Petros. These guys that I hang around with, they're, uh, uh, I would say habitual is probably the word, right? They're uh, serial. No, they're serial creators. They can't help it. Every day, they got to create. They can't help it. They got they 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 have ideas in their head and they have to come out. And it's when you watch them, you you can see, you can imagine what it was probably like watching Leo Fender. This is a guy every day who's like, I got an idea. <laughs> we got to make it. Check out this new idea. I'm like Leo, you don't need a new idea. We can sell Stras and Tellys for the next hundred years. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, they wanted to cash in on his ideas and he wanted to come up with new ones. So um, I'm not shocked to hear those pickups are great. Um, Especially a lot of the GNL stuff. I think it was the most some of the most forward thinking stuff. I've had some really amazing conversations with Larry DiMarzio on the phone about all kinds of things uh, and experiences that I I I I'll just never forget my whole life. And some of those he would talk about his admiration of Leo and some of the designs. And he talks about the P pickup, the you know, and uh, for the P base and the evolution of that pickup and stuff. And so yeah, GNL did some good stuff. Gravedigger Dale says, hey, Phil, I hope everyone has a good Labor Day weekend. He just wants you guys to know to have a great Labor Day weekend. I hope you guys have a safe one as well. Um, you know, it's a, it's a crazy time out there. So be safe. Enjoy your family. Play guitar. Curtis uh, says, hey, Phil, what's my favorite non-locking trim for a Made in Mexico strap? Thanks for all you do. Uh, my favorite tremolo systems, like I said, I like the Goto trim, I like the Vega trim, and I like the, the just the basic Fender tremolo system. I'll, I use those. Nothing exciting about that. Now, I'm a Floyd fan, but you said non-locking trim. Now, what I'm curious about is I've always wanted, and I've never even, I've never even worked on one for a customer. I've never tried or played the, the Floyd non-locking trim system. I think they call it the baby Floyd sometimes. If you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm talking to a company. They're making a guitar, and I think uh, one of the things I asked for uh, when they, they, they talked to me about doing a custom guitar, something exciting for the channel, one of those kind of like, hey, we're going to make something crazy and you know see what, what, what we did. Um, I asked them if they could put a baby Floyd in it, and uh, I think they're going to. I don't know. I, there's some discussion about availability issues on that bridge. Um, so I'll be able to tell you then, Curtis, if I like that more, because that's why I want it. I want it because I'm like, I've never tried it. And it's one of those things like I would love to be able to tell you guys like, wow, what I've been missing my whole life or this is good, but you can still get a Godot and be fine. Uh, Copperfield's back. Copperfield says just because I have just because I wait, just because have one on me. Love the show. I will have one on you. <laughs> I've been I've been switching to whiskey lately again. Uh, it's a it's a it's a thing. Uh, whiskey is something I associate with manhood. <laughs> uh, one one day, one day, uh, if I can get Ralph on the show again, uh, I will promise uh, to get Ralph and tell the story of our our buddy Fast um, and. Uh, and why, uh, and why, and the whiskey story is probably the best story ever. Um, it has nothing to do with guitar, although Fast did play guitar. Um, it was a great story. And I kind of feel like if I tell it now, I'm going to be robbing uh, uh, you guys of some of the important parts that Ralph will have to put into the story. Um, but it will, and then we can explain why you try to drink whiskey to be, be more manly. <laughs> so, okay, FJ Cruiser, Cruise Adar. <laughs> 
All right, FJ Cruiser. Uh, says I think I, I know it's the car, FJ Cruiser. I just don't know what the dirt Cruiser is. Cru- Crusader. Ah, it's cr- FJ. See, I'm thinking FJ Cruiser, FJ Crusader. Maybe that's it. Says I think I'm starting to th- stay. I'm starting to like fuzz. I never searched for a fuzz tone before. Can you recommend a good fuzz pedal? Well, you know, the thing about fuzz pedals that's fun is uh, when I I did the same thing as you. One day I was like exactly like you. I'm like, I think I like fuzz. (laughs) This thing I couldn't stand. All of a sudden I'm like, this is great. Um, To me, the best way to look at fuzz for me, and it helped me when I went down this journey of craziness, because the thing about fuzz pedals that suck is they're cheap to make, so therefore everyone makes 50 different ones. That's probably going to offend some of the people that make them. I'm trying not to do that, but it's kind of true, <laughs> right? So so not only... So there are ones I like, like I like ZFX Fuzz Factory and stuff like that, but what I will tell you, what happened with me that was really good is this. I kind of determined that there was really two fuzzes I need to pay attention to. The fuzz face and the big muff, Right? And what's great about that is the Big Muff, you can get dirt cheap anywhere, like that kind of fuzz pedal. Just get one of those. Um, and see, Leo Whiff's like the Pi Big Muff. Exactly, right? I, I bought one of those. I think I paid 60 bucks for one used somewhere. And then I got a fuzz face. And they make a red one and a blue one, and then they make an Eric Johnson one and all that stuff. I, it doesn't really matter, really, to be honest with you. Just get one. And there's a ton of fuzzes, and there's a ton of, and everybody's going to drive you crazy. That's the problem. They'll go, oh, well, germanium and this, and what about that? And then you needed this, and then it will just make you nuts. But here's what you really do. Trust me, this is what happened for me. Get the fuzz face, get a, get a, uh, get a fuzz face, get a big muff. Buy the cheapest ones you can get your hands on. Get fake ones. I could care less, right? You'll say in the description, we ripped off the fuzz face. We ripped off the, the big muff. Just get the clones, whatever. Uh, if you have digital technology, get a you know, some processor and find those exact, you know, uh, recreations of those two and play with those two. And what I've learned is, is that, um, like to me, the fuzz face was definitely something that loves strats and tellies and single coils where the big muff really could take the humbuckers and the single coils really well. But, but what, what it reason why this is important is what you learn about fuzz pedals before you go down the road of just infinity fuzz pedals to purchase forever. And somebody's going to tell you, no, the best fuzz is this one that was made by a Hindu priest on a Thursday. In, in, <laughs> right? Before you go down that crazy road, here's what you have to understand. That's the cool thing about fuzz pedals. They react to everything. They react to your pickups. You, you change guitars, you change the fuzz. They react to the pedals that are in front of them like what buffered versus non-buffered, whether those pedals are on or not. They react to how long your cable is. I'm not making any of this up. They react to your amplifier like there's nobody's business, you know? Um, And so I find instead of trying different fuzz pedals to try to figure out which fuzz pedal you like, get the two core basic fuzz pedals and experiment with them to see what you like and to interact with fuzz. For me, what I learned for fuzz, what I learned from that for me, and I'm not trying to kind of you know, propagate the idea in your head of what to, where this is going to go for you. But for me, what I learned is there's really kind of like this fuzz in front of light overdrive thing. And I love it. That's the Eric Johnson thing. That's Slash, right? Those guys, Joe Bonamassa, those guys will have this taking a fuzz pedal and putting it in front of like a Marshall or any kind of amp with just a little bit of gain or even a light overdrive in front of it. I've even ran a fuzz into like a tube screamer and I just love it. 
There's just something about that solo tone that I like. Um, and the reason that's important for me is bands that I love that use fuzz are like Weezer and stuff. And, uh, and, um, and, uh, what am I, I'm missing one. Why am I missing besides Weezer? There's, a. Uh, I apologize. I'm trying to think of another, uh, another band to mention besides Weezer. Um, but, uh, what I found is as much as I love their music, I don't make that style of music. So the music I, I, I played, that's what fuzz worked for me. So that's, um, that's what I would do is just do that. Like I said, and, and you can find any of those, but like I said, try to find those two because everybody kind of starts with those two and it's really easy. <laughs> Ian says he learned how to fuzz while drinking whiskey. Nice. Um, okay. Um, Muse. That's who I was thinking of. <laughs> I love Muse. So I like Weezer and how they use fuzz and I love Muse and how they use fuzz. And I, and I got, and that's the, like I said, that actually was bad for me because I would get fuzz pedals and I would recreate their sounds and play their songs, which is really fun for a few minutes for me. But then when I was back doing like creating music, the music I like to create when I'm, you know, in my head, you know, enjoying myself creating things, that's not the style of music I create. So those fuzz pedals, I turned them off and didn't use fuzz anymore. So that's why I said, that's why I'm telling you to go down this journey. Uh, Jay Carr says, just because I'm switching to musician's friend since Sweetwater isn't matching my price anymore. Uh, Jay Carr, you, you know what? I, I talked about Sweetwater and giving deals. And if you read the comments, like it was like 70%, I'm rounding down. It was like 80% of people are like, yeah, they give me deals. And then 20% were like, my guy won't give me deals. Um, I, I really want this message to be pushed through um, because I think sometimes you hear my words, you, 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 you guys and gals out there, um, but you're not hearing what I'm saying. People make deals, <laughs> okay? All right. I'm not being cryptic. I'm gonna I'm gonna get exactly to the point of this. People make deals. People are, are, are you know have value. Does it make sense? Interacting with people, like I said, calling someone and making a deal, texting or whatever, messaging somebody, emailing somebody, somebody personally making a deal, getting you know in a music store, getting the owner on the email or calling and talking to the owner gets things done. Uh, talking to people gets things done. The problem with that is, is that I say that and I forget maybe it's my fault. Maybe you guys are hearing what I'm saying, but I'm not being as detailed as I should be. But also people can be the problem. Okay. So I'm not saying Sweetwater isn't giving you a deal. I'm saying, I believe that if you're not getting a deal at Sweetwater, it's because your person at Sweetwater isn't giving you a deal. I've said this before. When If you notice, I'm very, very, uh, uh, I try to be open-minded, but I'm very, very kind of, uh, you know, meticulous about hitting on certain points. Like when I talk about repair, right? Um, when I talk about warranty issues, like when somebody's like, I called and talked to the shop and they won't warranty it. Well, talk to somebody else. Just because one person says something doesn't mean that's what it is. That's just what one person says. Um, I don't know. Uh, I will, I do have some connections at Sweetwater, obviously, because like I said, um, my connection with Sweetwater is because I do YouTube and obviously they work with YouTubers so I can reach out to them and talk to my people uh, that, I, that I work with. But I would imagine they're going to tell me what I'm about to tell you, that you're not really stuck with anybody. Um, 
uh, I would imagine that. I would imagine that would be the dumbest business idea I've ever heard, right? If you get a sales rep and you don't like them, they're not jiving, um, ask to talk to somebody else and get another rep assigned to you. Whatever they're doing at Sweetwater, um, and I'm not, I should also point out this, I told you guys this. In my prior life, when I was in corporate world, I used to do risk management stuff. I also did telephony. I had to run dialing systems. Um, so I'm pretty sure how their dialing system works is that once they program your phone number in, when you call Sweetwater, I'm sure that the system is grabbing your number and it's, it's going to your rep. Like they know how to route that stuff. I'm sure that's what's happening. It's a very basic thing. They don't have to have a huge, they don't have to very have a very expensive uh, system to have a routing system like that. So what, what I'm saying is, is that once you talk to a manager and somebody say, Hey, look, this isn't working out. This is what I want done. This is like I said, you, you know, if you don't have, I get it. Like I said, some people just can't, you know, you don't have the, you're awkward, right? People are sometimes there's nothing wrong with being awkward. Sometimes you're awkward verbally with people, then do it via email. I, I'll tell you this. I told you guys this. Uh, somebody actually sent me an email saying I was talking about how you can get Sammy Ash anytime you want. And they said it was absolutely this week. Somebody sent me things saying absolutely true. I got a hold of him. You can get a Chuck too. Chuck Surak answers 100% of his emails. 100%. It's crazy. He does it. Remember I was telling about owners who are crazy? Chuck's one of them. You, If you email Chuck Surak, you will get a response. His, his email is public. You can get it. Don't email them with stupid stuff because I, you know, I don't. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, <laughs> right? Don't be like, "Hey, man, how's it going, Chuck? I like candy. You like candy? Please don't do that crap to him. That's not fair." But if you're, if you're, I'm just telling you. You obviously, if you can get the, uh, if you can get Chuck Serac, who's who's still, I think he's going to the board of directors at Sweetwater. So if you can get him on the phone and an email with no problem you can get somebody on the phone at Sweetwater who can make something happen for you so for instance if you're have a rep in there because i heard some of your guys's comments or read them last week saying that hey my rep won't ever give me a deal well then you need to call and talk to the manager and say hey look i want to talk to somebody else and what i don't know is what you're asking for remember you got to ask for things in reason i don't know everybody's got a different reasoning of what's a deal you know what i mean i, I mean if you're asking for 30 40 percent off i don't know if they're going to do that you know what I mean? I don't. I don't would imagine they're going to tell you to pay on sand. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a, it's not it's not our market right now. It's not a buyer's market. It's a seller's market. If you have it in stock, you you know right now. So I would imagine if Sweetwater is probably the least like least willing to make deals now than they usually are. Um, but even then, they'll still take care of you when they can. I've seen it. Like I said, um, so in your, I'm not telling you not to go to Musician's Friend. You can get great deals with Musician's Friend. In fact, the benefit of Musician's Friend is, I would say, as all the companies uh, that I've experienced online, Musician's Friend usually will go the deepest with the discount. If that's all that matters to you, that's what they will do. And, and, and so nothing wrong with that decision. But I just want you to have the information that if Sweetwater isn't giving you a deal, it's probably your rep and you need to talk and maybe get a different rep assigned to you. Let's see, I'm giving you that option. And everybody who also made those comments, that's your option. Um, so, you know, I'm lucky. And I was right. My rep is Brent. <laughs> when they sent the Reverend out, when they send a, when they send a guitar to you for review, uh, Sweetwater sends it for review, uh, they still invoice it to you like, you know, like a normal invoice. So I get an invoice, everything just says I don't owe anything and I have to return it. Um, and it's, they do it to your Sweetwater rep. So I got the thing and it was Brent and so it's Brent. I remember I said last week, I'm like, I think his name's Brent. It is. Um, hey, ask for Brent. He's been good to me. I don't know. <laughs> See, maybe that maybe that's good for him. Just, you know. And then, and then uh, any of you, uh, if you guys tried that, 
If you basically, then you message me and you tell me, hey, man, I talked to the manager and he said, pound sand, we don't give deals and you got your rep and that's what it is. Maybe I'll call Chuck. <laughs> because let me tell you, uh, I'm not saying everybody should go shopping there. Everybody should shop where they're happy with. But I'm telling you, I know who difficult. I know what businesses are difficult and which ones are easy. Sweetwater is overly easy. That doesn't mean you can't have difficult situations. I'm just telling you, I, in my experience, nine out of ten times, Sweetwater is a pleasant experience. Just, same with Sam Ash, nine out of ten times. Guitar Center, fifty-fifty for me. So, um, musician's friend, probably about eight out of ten. And can keep on, I'm all shooting off the hip, you know. You know, I'm not, I'm just making these numbers up off of my vibe and feel of these. Um, and then I have a whole list of small mom and pops, but the reality is most of the mom and pops I deal with, I can't really even send you guys there because they don't carry enough stuff to, you know, to help you. Uh, Lidface says, forgot to email you. Strings were here 10 days after you sent it. So he's talking about the flat wound, uh, tape wound strings I sent. Uh, but... Oh, but was doing a home office for another country in the in-laws, so did not get, uh, set it up yet soon. So, okay. So he's just letting me know. Um, uh, and he said, please email me back about the bridge giveaway. So Litve uh, is doing the ambassador thing for me. So let me cue you on what he's at, he's telling me right now. He's telling me two things. He's telling me he got the tape on strings that I, I had my wife send his daughter, uh, but he hasn't put them on yet. And uh, also uh, Litve... Um, I told you guys you could be brand ambassadors for me, so to speak, if that's a you know thing you could say. Um, and like I said, as because uh, again, it's you're the customers of companies. So if there's a company and you would like to see them on the channel, uh, and you're my viewer, so you know what I mean. I care about what you guys think and say, uh, and what you want. You know what I mean. I mean, ultimately, I decided to make YouTube videos, which means I'm in the business of making content for you. That's how this works. That's my philosophy of life, right? This is what I do. I make content you guys are hopefully interested in. Um, so if there's products or things that you would like to see on the channel, I've told you guys this before, you can reach out to a company for me. You could say, hey, I am I love your products. There's a YouTuber I like. Here's his information. I'd love it if you guys reach out and talk to him. He's let me know that he's willing to talk to you guys. And so you guys know, if you reach out to a company, okay, and this is what I'm giving you, because that's what you're giving me. You, you, you guys go out and 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 solicit a company for me. My strategic strategic pause. If you solicit a company for me for reviewing stuff, what I'm giving you back is this uh, this answer. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, if you reach out to a company and ask and ask them to come on the channel, what I will give them is I will do the video. Uh, I won't charge anything, and I won't ask for any free gear. All I ask is that the gear is support is supplied to me and then they pay to return it back. That's it. That's all. That's it. It's a no brainer. It's free for them is what I'm telling you. So if you guys want to reach out, I'm willing to do the video. We'll do the work. Why? Because you guys did the work. I deal with, I look the downfall. What you guys don't see, uh, uh on the YouTube game is that the more, the, the better the channel does, the bigger my subscriber counts get, the more viral type videos I can get out there. The more companies jack me around and waste my time. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not apologetic at all about this. I will literally waste an entire eight hours a week. That's a full work day. Imagine one whole day a week. Every week is just tossed in the trash for me. Every week with companies jacking me around. Um, 
I will tell you, I've said this before. I have talked to companies. Companies will email me. They'll say, hey, we want you know to send this product to you so you guys can put it on the channel. Great, but we got to talk to you on the phone. I get on the phone. We talk for an hour, two hours, then emails back and forth, and then they blow you off. That's four hours. It's four hours. The video takes me at least six to eight hours to make. So <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Um, companies will waste your time. And here's why they do it. I've told you this all before. And again, I'm on a tirade, but I apologize for it. But I, maybe you guys are interested. It's because they're like, hey, we'd like to get you a, a, a guitar so you could get it on your channel. And I go, well, that'd be great. And we talk and we, we try to figure it out. Meanwhile, they've also been talking to another YouTube channel who has just as a cooler channel or it's a bigger channel than me. And then they're like, oh, and every time I'm not stupid, by the way, any companies watching this, I'm not stupid. Um, and, and, and I also, so I'm, I'm nice, but I also, I, I'm, I'm still a person, which means I do hold grudges. When companies reach out to me and blow off, and, and blow off like four or five hours of my, my time talking to me, and then tell me that, then, then they tell me like, oh, we'll come back to you in three months. It's just, it's really not a good time right now. And then next week I see four channels put out the product videos that just happen to have more subscribers than me. I'm not stupid. I know what that was. You just picked different, you know, you got all of a sudden the channel that wasn't emailing you back, emailed you back. It's, it's no different than your friend ditching you for a better friend <laughs> for the weekend. It's not that it hurts my feelings. I'm just pissed about my time. Trust me, if you would cut me a check for all that time you're blowing me off, I guess I would use that, buy somebody else's gear and put that on my channel. I wouldn't be so irritated. So when I'm telling you is that when you guys reach out, that's not my time being wasted. Because what I really think about is when I hear you guys say, oh, Phil, when, when is that video coming out? And, I, and where I get a little um, sad is I think, man, if I didn't spend six hours with that company on Thursday, I guess I could have just did that video for everybody and got that done and potentially made some money for the channel and, you know, moved the needle forward. So like I said, any of you guys are interested in products and you think they'd be cool on the channel, um, you're here every week. Uh, that's all you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> Dougal Dog says, Phil tirades on the channel are part of the show. Well, you know what it is? It's it's one of the things that's interesting about this is, is that um, I, what I like about this platform, and that's why I use it the way I do, is I don't want it to be a mystery to you guys. I, 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 I understand not all of you want to make YouTube videos, but whether you want to or not, I think that's what's cool about this. You don't have to guess. You don't be like, hey, I wonder what they do with their time. You know, I'll tell you everything. Like I said, how it works with companies, how it works with stuff. The only thing I don't do is NDA stuff. Obviously, if companies uh, tell me not to discuss certain things, I have to do that, uh, privilege that stuff. But most of that stuff has nothing to do with anything other than they just don't want you to me to tell you information until a certain date. That's 90% of all NDAs are that. Just don't say anything until it's date. <laughs> so that's easy. Grubby Mike Guitar says, what does he say? Oh, he says he wanted to encourage everyone to check out Phil McKnight on Patreon. Um, I appreciate that. It's really kind of you to do that, uh, to do the patron thing. Um, like I said, this live show is, if you see the, can I point? I can't. No, not only can I can't, <laughs> not only can I not point behind me, apparently I can't point on screen. Look, ah, fan funded. That's what this means. This icon means is that the it's orange uh, for a reason. It's orange because patrons orange. It means this live show is brought to you by patrons and it always has been. So, so, you know, um, and, uh, I don't know. Maybe sometimes that matters to some of you. Some of you guys tell me it doesn't matter at all. Uh, it matters to me if it, if it helps. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's, uh, 
it's uh, if I if I make it to 300 shows, <laughs> which would be oh, really cool. Um, it'd be nice to go. Hey, I made 300 uh, podcast episodes that you know pulled some decent views and got some decent stuff out there, and I did it. Uh, funded by the actual fan base is a pretty cool thing to say it's i'll tell you it's the first thing i brag about with my friends uh, i don't brag like oh yeah this company sent me a cool amp i brag man i get to i get funded by my own viewers that's freaking awesome it's a it's a big f you to everyone <laughs> to, to, for me it is all right uh so thank you grumpy mike i appreciate it and also check out grumpy mike's channel like i said grumpy mike has not been putting out videos lately he hasn't put out a video in a week or two so grumpy you need to get on that Stop watching me make a video. <laughs> now I'm wasting your time. Richard says, just bought an older Les Paul and the high E sticks between the fret and the binding. Any good fixes? Sure. There's a couple fixes uh, you can do. You can, um, well, if you have the right tools, you can just press the fret back in. That's an easy thing. You may not have those tools. What I would suggest is... Um, take it to somebody because I'll tell you what you would probably do is they're going to probably clamp it and glue it. They're going to use, believe it or not, just super glue, put a little super glue underneath the fret with a syringe, clamp the fret. It's going to be fine. It's basically as easy as it is. You can do it too, but you want to make sure that you're using clamps that aren't going to damage the back of the neck. So um, that, you know, uh, I can't tell you because it's a, obviously it's a podcast. I don't have any illustrations to show you, but you can imagine what you're going to have to do. Um, I have a wooden cradle that has like felt or a soft material that touches the neck. And then of course it's wood on the back and then I can clamp against that. So I don't have to you know worry about denting the back of the neck or anything. And then I would clamp your fret down and I would, I would, I would, I glue it and then I clamp it down. That's how I would handle that. Um, and, uh, without seeing it, I mean, there could be something else going on. Um, and cause that's what's happened. It's lifted up. It's just lifted out. Now you could have fret sprout. In other words, it might not be lifted out. It might be sticking out too far. So I want you to rub the side of it. And if it's, it feels really sharp, like, like a tooth, <laughs> like an alligator tooth, all right? If it's sticking out like an alligator tooth, uh, and it feels really sharp, you might just need to have that filed down. I have a ton of videos on that too, as well. Um, so there you go. I would love that. That's one of those things like right now, when you say that, I go, man, what a great little video I could do. I could do that video and make it three minutes long and show you how to fix it. But I don't have a guitar creating that issue. And I don't know how to create that issue. That's a really strange issue, uh, to, to kind of create like, lifting out a fret was a, is a tricky thing. So, um, and I, and I, trust me, if I, I haven't had it in a while, if a customer's guitar came in with it doing that, I would definitely grab it and do the video. But without that, it's the only way I can explain it. Um, Trauma Cop. Trauma Cop says, I love the podcast. Would love to see more Sharpen Max videos. I did the Sharpen Max acoustic. There is two, three more Sharpen Max videos coming uh, on some, uh, obviously, three more guitars. There are electric guitars, and there's a bass one. The bass one, for some reason, I'm having trouble with. <laughs> it just happens. It happens. Um, but yeah, they're coming. The um, uh, Sharpen Max videos are real simple. They're they're videos I like to do. They just take a lot of time and they generally net no results, uh, for the channel. You know what I mean? So, but that's not the, that's not a thing. I'm just telling you that. That's why I parcel them out the way I do. If you notice, I go and like, all of a sudden I'll do a bunch and then I back off and I do a bunch. It's because, you know, you try to balance your channel. I, I try to balance my channel. You know what I mean? I try to balance it with like, okay, here's a video that would be fun to do for, for me. Here's a video the audience will react to. Here's a video that will go viral and get the and get views, which is nice because then that pays, you know, pays the channel. And so, I mean, there's just all kinds of things you want to do. I, I try to find a balance to this. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, 
I have more coming. It's the easy part, easiest way to put it. I don't know if I'll have one next week, but it will be soon. It'll, I mean, definitely really soon because I just have to edit, finish editing. Uh, DWC and stop talking to companies on the phone. DWC says, thinking for upgrading the vintage style Epiphone tuning keys. Uh, wait, thank you for upgrading the vintage style tuning keys, Epiphone tuning keys on my ES339 to the Gibson vintage style. Um, are they that much better? Okay, so he's thinking about upgrading them. Um, and will they require mods? So what he's asking me, DWC, what he's asking is he wants to take the vintage style Epiphone tuning keys off his guitar and put Gibson ones. I would say there's going to be no advantage to that. Um, I would argue that they're probably made almost identically, uh, in quality wise. And it doesn't matter if this slightly, if the Gibsons are slightly better, where, where they'll be better is mostly in the longevity aspect. In other words, they might last longer because the, maybe the materials are made out of stronger materials. Maybe steel is more, you know, stronger and the brass is, you know, stronger and stuff. Um, but in my experience, like that's not something I would switch and go. Oh yeah, you're gonna notice a huge difference, especially since the tuning rate, turning rate, turn turn ratio, tuning ratio is gonna be the same. Um, so, no, <laughs> that's not what I I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, you could do it, but um, first question I have to ask you is, um, you're thinking about upgrading the vintage style tuning keys. You're saying that, but you're not saying why. I would love to know why. Like if you're saying it's not staying in tune or they're slipping, sometimes that's an issue. That's something that you have to address. But if they're working fine, but you're thinking like, oh, if I upgrade, this will just be better. I don't know if you would get a, a much better tuning key, especially nowadays. Now, some of you guys are going to have comments about this. And I always encourage all of the comments and feedback. Because like I said, my comment is just mine. And then you guys putting in your comments is giving more depth on that subject. But something I want you guys to consider before a lot of you comment on this particular question, um, which is to upgrade your Epiphone tuning keys to Gibson style tuning keys, is that you have to understand that a lot of tuning keys have been homogenized over the last decade more than probably you ever realized. In other words, the quality of the cheap tuners is getting better year after year, and the quality of the expensive tuning keys have been dropping. And I'm not saying they're equal now, but they're equalizing. It's happening all across all brands. It's really common. This is common in a lot of industries. This happened. Cheap stuff gets gets cheaper to make the cheap stuff, so they make the cheap stuff a little better. And the expensive stuff costs expensive. They're expensive, so they start making it cheaper. So um, maybe if you're talking about older style tuning keys, but uh, newer keys, I'm not saying you're going to see a huge difference between those two things. I would say if you're going to upgrade your tuning keys on your Epiphone, your and you basically your Cluson vintage style tuning keys, the tuning keys that I like are going to be the Godo locking style keys that are Cluson styled. Cluson makes some good ones too. You can go with those as well, either Cluson or Godo. Locking keys, because I love locking keys. So you don't have to buy locking keys, but man, restringing is a breeze. And uh, I think they're better quality keys and they're direct, they'll direct really replace. And uh, probably cheaper than what Gibson's going to charge you for the authorized Gibson uh, keys. <laughs> um, Fox, Fox in the Hound says, you got an extra fiver. He gave me five bucks. Says to invest in Phil Stonks. <laughs> for the for those that missed the Gibson thing earlier. That's uh great. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, maybe that's what I should do, Fox the Hand. Maybe I should take I got the app. I'll take your five bucks and I'll invest it into that Gibson guitar. And uh and I will let you guys know how it works out for me. 
Maybe that's an idea. You know what? I'm making a joke, but that could be legitimate. If I take, you know, 10 bucks and invest into those Gibson guitars, in the end, I could tell you exactly what happened. Might be an interesting way. Tell me if you think that's an interesting video at all, right? I mean, uh, let's say we pick a date, you know, well, whenever they sell them or a year from now, um, most of us will forget it existed, but I'll know and I'll do the video. Maybe it'll be an interesting video. I don't know. I don't know if that's interesting or not, but it would, you know, tell us what it does. Uh, Chad says, I adjusted the bridge saddles. Can you do a video on how to properly adjust bridge saddles? Uh, it's a tele style guitar with six individual saddles. I do have an intonation video that shows you how to do that. Um, in the intonation video, I talk about up and down, but I don't really show how you adjust up and down. Up and down, you want to use a radius thing. So um, I can do that. What we talk about all the time is actually going through, because like so, so many of our repair videos are integrated into all these other videos. We talked about just isolating them into basic videos, almost like pod clips to the podcast, taking out sections and saying, this video is the thing. We talk about taking some of my repair videos that are long, that go over all these things and just isolating sections and putting those out individually or making, recreating them in those sections. So maybe that's something I can do. Um, and then Matthew, where are we, how are we doing on time? Okay, we're doing good. I just want to make sure we're doing okay. Matthew says, <clears throat> as I lose my voice, Matthew, sorry. Army training, sir. Anyways, uh, Matthew, thank you for the insanely huge super chat. I appreciate that. It says, please read following non... Oh. Oh, he says, please read the following non-super chat, if possible. I'd have to find this, your super chat and then find the non-super chat. Let's see if I can do that. Give me a second. Sad thing is you super chatted too much. You <laughs> Because the colors tell me how much the super chat is. And so I don't know what color your super chat is. Um... I, I'll tell you what I'll do, because uh, this is where it's going to get tough. I can't find it. Not Oh, maybe in the other screen. Hold on. I have another screen that goes a little further back. I'm hoping you're... Because like green is 5, yellow is like 10. I try not to pay attention to the colors, because I don't want to answer questions based on how much you super chat. You know what I mean? I try if, you know, with... I can't find it. So, um, what am I trying to do? Matthew, here's what I'll do. I will, um, I will find it. I know it sucks, but I'll find it. I'll find the one previous years because I can see the history when the video is uploaded and I'll find it for next week. Unless I, somebody can find it now, what he's talking about and post it. Um, and I'm double, double checking right now, but I don't see it's, yeah, it just doesn't give me enough of a back log of it not on my side huh sorry yeah i can't i'm i, I can't spend like 20 minutes looking for it but matthew i'll find it for next week and i will definitely hit it for sure uh i have no idea chloro beck <laughs> This is finally able to give a super chat with my first job money. Whoa, your first job? Congratulations. Cheers. Also want to add that I just got a $1,000 Fender for $350. What a steal, right? Yeah, I would say that's a good deal. Um, fantastic. And first job money. So that's awesome. Like, not new job, first job. First jobs. Like, first job is like first car. First, it's just exciting. Uh, enjoy it. 
Um, you know why the first job's so great? It's great because if it's a good job, it's you always have great memories. And if it's a crappy job, you're always going to have great memories. <laughs> That's what's great about it. Uh, the Drunken Scoundrel says, authentic jokes will never get old. Tell that to Mark Agnesi. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. He probably doesn't care. He's like, it's our job to make sure that when, uh, uh, like when your body does something, so it becomes his nickname. Yes. Oh, yeah. The old nickname from the mistake kind of thing. Matthew says, if you're going to troll, troll authentic. Awesome. And then 40 Grit says, agree agree on the overpricing. What's your thoughts on the EVH Ernie Ball? They are all way overpriced and not moving. Weird scenario. And I'm uh, on him passing. Yes. So, you know, there. Uh, that's the problem. The, the Eddie Van Halen problem is a separate problem of COVID's problem, uh, market problem. So, so obviously the, the COVID created the market surge and, and the uh, problem with getting supplies of materials that created the situation we're in now, and obviously in every industry, but obviously we talk about the guitar industry on this channel. Um, COVID creates the situation where everybody's buying up all the guitars and all the guitar stuff, and we can't get supplies to backfill a lot of that stuff. That situation is happening and creating a problem, and then Eddie passes, and then when somebody passes away... Everybody becomes uh, emotional. And like I said, this is an emotional business. We make a lot of decisions based on emotions. And we surge by all the Eddie Van stuff. And like I said before, the stuff that they don't make anymore, like the PV uh, guitars and the Ernie Ball uh, era uh, Van Halen's, and of course the old 5150 amps and stuff, the PV ones, you can't get those anymore. And so they go for top dollar. Like you, I've seen the same thing. Everybody's uh, pretty much put that stuff at stratosphere pricing and i'm sure a few of us i didn't do it for on that issue i did other stupid stuff as you we've talked about in the past but uh some people probably bought at the height of it and um and hopefully they're happy and they kept it but yeah if you're going to sell it it's going to be a tough sell to get rid of it because you bought at the height and the problem is is everybody's just going to wait um i said this before this is what we talked about last year remember i said one thing that some of you, I think, are missing when we talk about the market adjustment is that everybody's like, oh, the price is going to sky high and they're going to crash. And I said, no, I don't think they're going to crash. They're just going to come down. The reason I said that I don't think they're going to crash, and I'm not saying ever, I'm just saying not anytime soon, is because one of the things that causes the crash, the prices to drop unbelievably low, is desperation. Well, the problem is, is that a lot of the players, a lot of the customers that bought up all this gear, well, they're still fine financially. They're just bought too much stuff. They impulse bought too much stuff, or maybe it's time to thin down the herd because, you know, it's maybe they want some of the cash back, but they're not desperate for the cash. So like I said, you're going to see a lot of people posting prices, and that's why I'm telling you not to fall for it. A lot of people are going to post prices, and you're going to say exactly what he just said, which is... They're not selling, but they're not moving. Well, they're not gonna because they don't need the money and they don't need to sell it. They just want to sell it. So you're going to see a lot of that. They're just waiting. They're just going to wait for a big fish or in this case, you <laughs> to kind of finally click that purchase price and pay that, that price. But I'm telling you what, and, and here's the, here's where my ex experience with that always will be this. If you find somebody who has a, a guitar, an item that you want and they're being, you know, they got the price too high and they won't come down. Well, then you need to wait till somebody else sells it. Don't wait on them. 
for some reason, people fixate on that. Like, I'm going to eventually get him to break, and he's going to give me the right price. No, just, you know what? If they don't want to sell it to you, they don't have to, and they're not going to. And it's a fool's errand. So just find a better deal somewhere else. Um, so that's what I would recommend to you on those Eddie Van Halen music bands. Just uh, wait. My local Craigslist one had a deal. Uh, uh, so it's uh, there are deals out there because they was a deal local. Okay. Uh, Sean Sean Brooks says, "Hey, I feel like most people who like uh, really like Eddie uh, make their own Eddie guitars instead of buying them. That's kind of the thing with the Frankenstrat, right? Well, you're right on two points. First, you got to understand Eddie's Eddie's an anomaly in the idea that he had this guitar, he has this image, and they weren't even making that guitar. So there was like this." It, you know, it's kind of like, hey, you know, this is a strange connection that I'm going to make, but Star Trek was the same issue. You know, they had, remember, people were huge Star Trek fans and Star Trek didn't make merchandise. And what they did was stupid and wrong, right? It didn't look right. So Star Trek fans are probably the f first fans I ever remember where they're like, they're making their own props. They're making their own stuff. Like, you know what I mean? So they make the replica stuff. And then later they start making the stuff, but the fans are already kind of used to making their own costumes and props and stuff. So Eddie's kind of the same deal, but on two folds. This is why I said on two points. So first you have Eddie who's got his guitar and they don't make them, right? Because even when Kramer started doing his stuff, they didn't really make the guitars right out that he that he did right away. But uh, not only did, was nobody making those guitars, everybody's recreating them. But then when they did start making them, you already kind of built in that infrastructure of people making their stuff or not infrastructure, but that habit. But also he made all his guitars for the most part. So to, to get his guitars more accurate, you got to kind of make them. <laughs> I mean, let's be clear. I have a striped, uh, uh, I, I'm a, I actually love my striped made in Mexico, Eddie Van Halen guitar because it, because I don't like as we've talked about, I'm not a huge Relic fan. I like, I'm, I'm no problems with Relic, but I don't own Relic guitars. I don't, I'm not really into them. I like the, you know, shiny paint jobs, shiny finishes, right? I'm just, you know, uh, that's boring, but it's what I'm into. I like pretty guitars. And so to me, what I like about the, the Made in Mexico Stripe series Eddie Van Halen guitar I have is that it's actually wrong. It's shiny. It looks, looks nice. <laughs> it looks like his guitar, but nice. And that's what I kind of like. So, um, but but I think a true Eddie Van Halen fan would want it to be more relic, kind of like what they did with the Made in Mexico Frankenstrat stuff, or Franken, you know, Strat, uh, which is what I just said, Frankenstrat. Um, so yeah, but, um, you know. Uh, Michael Stark says, Hey, Phil, I got the new Archon combo switch the speaker to the cream back. Wanted a Freeman, but uh, it was too loud for my situation. Any ideas how to get a good plexi tone out of the Archon? The Archon's a very modern sounding amp, but uh, what's nice is you can get a Marshally sound. You really have to back the gain. That amp, here's what I would do. If I, if I, you know, I don't have an Archon anymore. I don't know if you guys know. I don't have an Archon anymore. Um, the, um, <laughs> I love the Archon still, but what happened was, and, uh, I, I 
didn't oh you'll know when i do my year in review i'll explain it because i always do year in so this i did the archon review this year so at the year end you'll hear what i'm going to tell you right now you're just going to get a sneak peek they sent me the new archon i actually like the new archon more than the old one i liked some of the things about the old one i think it had a little more clarity and top and sparkle but i liked the low end fuller sound of the new one because i could at lower volumes i thought it sounded a little better which is something you know you're going to want to do at home and uh, so i like the new archon better um, that Archon they sent me, uh, I had to send it back and they, they sent it to, uh, they gave it to Fluff, which is great because, you know, he's a great channel. Um, but, but, uh, I would have bought one, but, uh, they actually sent my, if you guys remember when I did my video, mine was defective. Uh, they admitted that it was a mistake. So, you know, to Pierce credit, cause I sent him a message. They sent the defective one I sent them, they sent that to Fluff. Fluff, if you ever see Fluff's channel, he's uh, he's got a great channel. He's got that Archon, the the one with the mess, the problems with it. They sent it to him like that. He still got it. He's got the defective one. So they didn't even fix it. Um, the problem with that is is that made me not really want to buy one <laughs> because they didn't even. I mean, no offense. I mean, I made a video and it's got like you know thirty thousand views saying it's got a problem, and then they didn't fix it and they sent it to somebody else. I'm like, you think they would have fixed it. So it made me a little nervous to buy one on my own. So my plan was, so this is what I happened. I had the original one. I liked the new one. I sold my my original one and I was going to buy the new one. And then when that happened, I thought, I don't know if I want to buy the new one. <laughs> you know, it's just, a, it's just a, how it was. Uh, sometimes, as you guys know, I like... Uh, PRS as a company, and I like their quality of their stuff. But as you guys know, I'm uh, just because I like a company, I'm very upfront about everything. Some company so companies, uh, just like Gibson, some companies are good, and then they go through a bad patch and they're crappy, and then they get good again. I've seen it so many times as a dealer, more times than I want to even have to ever comment on. Sometimes you get nothing but crap for weeks because hey, new employees, new 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 direction in the company. Everybody has a job; they know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, the company puts out crap for months and years. And usually that doesn't stop until exactly this customers stop buying the stuff. There's a slowdown in sales. They see some kind of thing and then they react and they go back the other way if they're lucky. And so I kind of took that as this, maybe as a sign of the times, uh, you know, uh, maybe, you know, concerning wise. So I'm telling you that to let you know, I don't have an Archon anymore. So I sold my Archon and that's where I got the money when I was talking about buying a new amp. That's where it came from. I sold the Archon and had that money to put into something. And I thought I was going to put in the new, in the new Archon decide not to buy the new Archon. But that being said, how to fix your Archon? You definitely need to get the uh, JHS black box or a volume pedal for sure. Put it in the effects loop of that amp. Turn the gain almost to zero. So really, really low on that okay, gain and crank that volume on that amp. And, 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 and then use that volume in the effects loop of the back of the amp this is the master volume that will become basically the master volume. And you will definitely get more of a Marshall vibed plexi tone. I don't think it'll be very plexi, I don't think it'll be a plexi, but it'll be as plexi as that amp's going to get, <laughs> uh, which is crunchy. I think that's what you're trying to... Maybe when people say plexi, to me, they mean, you know, crunch. You know, not distorted, not fizz, crunch. So it'll do the crunch sound. Um, okay, let's see. <laughs> not you says it stops when you fire the manager it's pot yeah of course i mean there's all you know again uh, uh somebody was talking about earlier about buying a, a fender uh uh 
player series. I think it was player series. I'm not sure which one. Professional, professional two, and having like three that were all bad. I had the same problem, remember, with Fender. I kept buying Fenders and kept having issues, and I decided that it was probably just going through a bad time. Sometimes that happens. The QA department, maybe they got, you know, maybe their backlogs to happen. It, it, it makes you, it makes you nervous. There's nothing wrong and about that. You know what I mean? So, um, so I went a different way. In fact, hold on. Woohoo. So let me tell you how cool this is. We're going to wrap up in 10 minutes. Um, I was talking about, uh, I said I bought a new amp. Uh, well, as you guys know, I went to the guitar center hell back and forth thing that didn't work out. So I actually found the amp that I actually was getting with the money from the Archon. And it, according to this, it just arrived. So I just got a text. I figured it said it was coming today. So, um, I'll, I'll share it this weekend. I'll put it on Instagram or something. What amp it is. I don't want to tell you right now, <laughs> but, I, um, maybe you guys will be shocked. I don't know. But let's just say it's the perfect amp, in my opinion, to replace the Archon with. If you're, because like I said, I love my Archon, so I'm gonna, I, I miss it, so I want it. So I found an amp that I think is like it, by another company. Um, maybe I'll give you some fun, something to do this afternoon. Try to guess what I picked. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Um, And then I know I keep saying this because I see you guys, uh, like I said, uh, you guys mentioned Scott's in the house, Scott Grove's in the house. Um, if you guys don't know his channel, check out his channel. Uh, he's he's the opposite of me in the I'm PG-13 and he's rated R. Not really. I think he's actually, Scott's actually tamed down a little bit over the last few years. Um, the reason I tell you that is I don't, I think everybody's, a, a, you know, can handle some curse words and stuff, but just I'm preparing you for it because I know I only sparse them out sparsely. But uh, lots of good information in there. He does lessons. He does all this stuff. I keep talking about having him on for an extra bonus podcast and stuff, and then I don't get in touch with him. Scott, I swear, if you're if I'm lucky enough that you'll even do it, I will reach out. You know how it is, I'm sure. It's just a crazy world that I'm dealing with uh, weekly. So when I'm not putting out fires, I promise we got to figure that out because I would love to, to do it. I think it'll be great, um, a gr great fun and informative for everybody. And like I said, in the meantime, you can always check out his channel. Um, uh, where is my screen that I'm looking for? Okay. Okay, so the last super chat is Jay Harvard. And... Uh, let me, let me do this. Let me, I'm going to get through some of these super chats right here. It says, Ivan is prestige boy says local tech told me to put a humidifier in my telly's case to help adjust the neck joint hump before he could set it up. Is he taking me for a ride? Um, well, I don't know what he's looking at. Uh, so let me tell you, let me put it to you in a scenario where you would do that. Um, I have guitars sometimes and uh, that customer will bring me and may they're dry as hell. There's a little bit of, of, of nervousness with that um, when the guitars have an issue like that. Um, now your neck joint hump, it's a telly. Okay, so usually a neck joint hump in my experience 90% of the time, and I'm, I can almost say 100%, but it's like 90% of the time, is on acoustic. Very rarely have I seen a joint issue on a guitar that isn't A, an acoustic, but B, isn't a, a, a set neck or neck through. 
Bolt-ons tend to not have that issue, but it's possible. Um, me, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't see a scenario where I, I've never had to take a telly and humidify it before I can make adjustments to it. Let me put it that way. I've never had to do that. But also the, here's the other problem with this. There's a couple of things you have to think about. I'm in a different climate. So I'm in Arizona. It's a very dry climate here. So humidifying things doesn't even kind of work here. <laughs> <laughs> right. If I put it, I have a box, I have an acoustic one and an electric one downstairs and it's a special box that allows me to humidify the guitars. So, uh, I put them in there and it's, and I, I can set the humidity where I want and it will, it will happen because otherwise, like I can't humidify a guitar case, not in Arizona. It's not going to work. It's just too dry. You got to, you know, I mean, maybe get away with it. And then as soon as you open the case, it's just done. But, um, I don't think it sounds right, but again, I'm not looking at what he's at, looking at. Um, he might have an issue, and he might want to see if that solves a problem that he doesn't have to charge you for or do. I don't know. The The reason I sound so apprehensive is you got to understand, a lot of guitar techs are just full of crap. They just say random things. There was a guitar tech that I used to drive me nuts in where I used to, you know, here in the Valley. They're not here anymore. So... <laughs> Uh, they were they were a part of my joke. Remember uh, uh, many episodes ago, I talked about the guy who said he was a master luthier. I'm a master luthier. Um, and uh, he would uh, tell every customer that... Uh, and by the way, some of my friends and customers and locals watch this podcast. So if you know who I'm talking about, please don't put in the comments. We don't want to talk crap. But you, know, you at least get a chuckle because you know who it is. Um, but again, he doesn't live here anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, he would do this thing where I like, after I adjust your neck, it has to sit for two weeks in the shop. And I was like, man, what the hell is he talking about? And so customers, what would happen with me was, it's not that customers would tell me that and then I'd have to correct it. I would have customers tell me like, just so you know, Phil, you're doing that wrong. I don't know if you listen to Master Luthier or douchebag guy but he basically says after you adjust a neck it has to sit for two weeks and i go oh my god what does every touring musician do then how do they adjust their necks what do, what craziness is this first of all the the neck adjustments are you kidding it can move the neck physically which means the it's it's in control <laughs> uh so uh the point of this is is sometimes i tell you this because i'm I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say maybe he's trying to do the right thing. But, you know, some techs are just crazy and say weird things. And they have old theories that think the other problem is, too, is you have to watch out for techs that don't update their training. Because remember, this isn't like a real thing. Like there's not they're not like people who get certified. You're just like, hey, I'm a guitar tech. Look, I'm a guitar tech because I tell you guys I'm a guitar tech. I just I like a lot of guitar techs. I've been doing it for a living for decades. But. Still, just one day I'm a guitar tech, right? You can go to a school and get a certificate, and that's. But still, that's not a certification of any kinds. You know, you don't register with a state. You know what I mean? Um, so the reason I say that is, is that sometimes it's not that I'm telling you that because they're sometimes they're not qualified. What happens? I've learned in this industry, very specific to this industry is that sometimes they don't update their training and they don't learn anymore each year. And then they, all the stuff they think, they think, and I mean this with no respect, disrespect to the older techs, because I'm, you know, not the youngest tech either, but either, but the older techs, they think it's been years. They're like, oh, you know, it's been years since that, but it's really been decades since they've actually looked and updated their training. So they start saying things that are really just outdated. They talk about things, methods and techniques that were probably 
maybe applied in the 60s and 70s but haven't applied in the last 20 years of guitars and way guitar and and they don't go to manufacturers like i said i told you guys i've been to 32 factories uh around the world for guitar manufacturing that's because i was trying to update my you know and i still do i mean i didn't go to one last year last year's the first year since 2002 i haven't gone to a factory i always go to a factory every year it's, it's sometimes back to a factory sometimes a new factory why to learn, to update, to see how are they building the new guitars. How they build the new guitars should dictate how you should fix the guitars. Could you imagine a Honda mechanic from 1985 working on your 2015 Honda now with no extra training? You probably would open the head and go, what the fuck is this Tupperware in here? <laughs> right? So yeah, so that's why I'm saying, uh, I like I said, he could be trying to save you money and do stuff, but you know, sometimes they just could be saying weird things from like, you know, in the fifties, that's how they did it. So you just gotta kind of take it, take what you will from all that. See what you can come up with. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you other than get a second opinion. Don't be afraid of that either. It's not like no tech should be charging you for an opinion. So just go in there and talk to somebody else. Hopefully you have two stores to go to. Uh, the Panda says, happy Labor Day. Enjoy the weekend with a beer. Everybody always trying to get me drunk. It's like I'm a hot chick or something. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? That's uh, probably not appropriate nowadays. You know what? You don't even have to be a hot chick to get a, to have somebody buy you a beer. And uh, apparently, you can be a bald dude and everybody buys you a beer. Uh, Wu-Tex says, hey, Phil, what tube amp head... Wait, what tube amp head to play at home via audio interface uh, do you recommend? I was thinking of the Rev D20. They're on sale. Um, I'm only telling you that. I'm only telling you this because you did it. Rev D20. They're on sale at Sweetwater this I, uh, weekend because Sweetwater sends all... you. I assume it's sent to all YouTube channels that have affiliate things. They send you all the deals so that I can go, hey, go to Sweetwater and get this deal. Um, and I perused them to see if there was anything interesting. And there was not a whole lot interesting in the sales, a couple things like every, like every Labor Day sale, most of it just stuff. Like I said, you could get any day of the week, but the Rev D twenties were on sale. Uh, I think it was like 130 bucks off. So be aware of that or buy one used. Um, but he says, uh, I'm thinking about getting a Rev D Rev D 20, but need KYG seal of approval looking for something clean with pedals. Look, I've never tried the Rev D 20. I've never tried any Rev, uh, amplifiers at all. Um, what I can tell you is I like Derek, the owner of Rev. It's true. We've had lunch. He's a nice guy. He's smart. Uh, I think he loves what he does. I like what the company does. Um, I, I like the idea. They're made in Canada. They seem like they're made really well. I've just never made, like I told you guys, through circumstance and stuff, I never got my hands on one. The When they were promoting the pedals, um, you know, I told you guys, I very rarely like to be part of these uh, master um, marketing campaigns. As you guys know, I obviously last week I alluded to it, and then this week I did the Bogner head. That was very clear. If it wasn't clear, I hope it's clear to you guys. I've been talking about the mini heads since January of this year and uh, and how I've been exciting. The next one is next or uh, this month, the end of this month, there's another one. And they're supposed to be sending that one. I'll probably be on that same marketing campaign um, because of the fact that um because uh, I'm interested in this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's an interesting thing. These mini heads are interesting to me. I don't know why. I think it's because they're you know, they looks, it's something fun. I don't know, something fun and exciting. But, um, so to say to, to, what I can tell you is this, I haven't tried the amp. I have a bunch of viewers who swear by them. I have a bunch of patrons who post on, on all the time that they love them. Um, seems pretty good to me. So from that standpoint, it's good. The owner is legit. In other words, uh, he's a nice guy and he's, they, they have a, but, um, but as for how it sounds, that's the only thing I can't tell you. 
Like I said, I don't know why I had, I have a rev curse. I told you guys this before I went to a bunch of events where rev was there. And every time I did a video, just the, that was the amp we couldn't use in the room. Somebody took it out of the room or we had something else, or we did a video where it didn't do it. And it just so happened. And the one time I was in the room, I think with rev, the other YouTuber played through the rev and I played through the other amp. I think it was the Ingle. So I just didn't get a sense of the amps. So there you go. Uh, Joe says, Phil, I really dig the LPD 68 pedal. Do you recommend, uh, for my, wait, I really dig the LPD 68 pedal you recommended for my Princeton. Do I need the deluxe now? Well, of course, because the rule is always, if you should buy, if you ask me if you buy, should buy something. We want to help the economy. I have the LPD 68. I have the deluxe, the deluxe. What you get to do is toggle between the slightly higher gain and the lower gain. And then you get a boost on that. It's really cool. What I will tell you is it's up to you. Uh, obviously it's up to you, but I will tell you if it, my recommendation would be, if you're going to get the, um, deluxe, get, get, be prepared to sell the 68. I wouldn't see the need to have both. You'd have one or the other. So, um, you know, if you're thinking maybe you made the, you know, like, Hey, I like this. Cause you wanted to try it, right? You tried it. You liked it. Now you're thinking about getting the deluxe. Um, if you think you need the boost and a switchable option, cause that's really what it comes down to. Do you need to switch between the two? Funny enough, I'm the opposite on, on this subject. I love my 68 and I have the 68 deluxe cause, uh, Lawrence sent it out for review and I got to keep that one. I bought my 68 and he sent me the deluxe. Um, or you know what? He might've given that to me for my birthday. I feel bad right now cause he might be watching and I feel, I don't think he did give it to me for a review. I think he gave it to me for my birthday and then I ended up reviewing it. Thank you for that, by the way, Lawrence. But my point is, um, I like my 68. I don't feel the need to, to toggle and I don't need the boost. So I don't use the deluxe very often. I use the 68, but on the 87, funny enough, I like having the deluxe over the regular 87 because I like toggling between those two gain channels. Um, so like I said, the only thing I would do is be prepared. If you buy the deluxe, then think about that as the, uh, the reason I'm telling you to think about that is you're, you're thinking probably about the expense of the deluxe, but keep in mind, you're going to be able to sell off the 68 and recoup some of that and put that towards the deluxe. Uh, Meester says, Sweetwater, wife's in business. Wait, what? Sweetwater? Reason for Sweetwater. Wife's in business and says Providence supports companies and doesn't drain them. Happy Fridays, everyone. There's a lot of comments on that video. I really appreciate you guys uh, commenting on that video. And um, if you don't mind, uh, let me jump this question, answer, the, and I'm going to end on that question, okay? So, Meester, I'm going to come back to you on that because there's something uh, interesting on that. Thunder Falcon said, uh, said, Phil, what's the chance of getting the John... Getting John, uh, the owner of Bad Camps, on the show, I think uh, he'd be interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We could do that. No problem. John, I would do I would do it. Hell, are you kidding? I'd just call John and talk to him for two hours next week just because I want to. So so, uh, so all you're asking me is, can we film that? Sure. Um, do a bon- It would be a bonus podcast. Like I said, we do guests. It's bonus. I would do a bonus with John. I think he would do it. He's super cool, man. He's Like I said, we've spent hours just talking on the phone about stuff. Uh, not only does he know so much about amps, I mean, he's just you know, down to earth, smart, interesting, you know, uh, his story behind how he got the company, probably the weirdest, crazy, cool story you've ever heard. So, uh, I'll, I'll tease you with that. So Thunder Falcon done. Uh, and, uh, he does saw, see some podcasts. So John, if you happen to see this over the weekend for any reason, uh, Hey, want to, want to come on the show? Otherwise I'll text him this weekend. Uh, and my ax, <laughs> 
that's the new sign on says cheers phil building a parts caster about to attach the bridge standard main mexico fender six screw trim tips to ensure it's centered sure i have you seen i've i have definitely have videos where i install bridges like that and i've showed you how i do it how i do it is the same way most people do it i use two strings and anchor them to the uh, tuning keys run them through the slots run them to the both high high and low e saddles uh, and then do it that way. That's kind of the best way to line it up and then, and then center it. Uh, that's, uh, you know, you know, the saying it's pretty straightforward. You watch the video. It's not, it's not going to be anything more than what you know. And you know, the whole measure twice cut once in other words, you know, the only thing I like to do is once I find the spot, I like to do, uh, just in case I like to do the, uh, the right side, which is the treble E I do that screw hole. Uh, first I'll drill that one first and then that way I go okay last minute if I have to I can pivot the bridge just a little bit and because after you after you anchor that in and after you got it sided up and everything's lined up one of the things you want to do is flip it over especially if the, the screw's holding the bridge in it and you don't have to worry about it moving and look and you can see how the block lines up and uh, and that'll help you too very straightforward if you don't have a template and I don't use a template for that I use templates for everything but not that because it's pretty straightforward Meester, <laughs> Meester just did another super chat. And then, uh, and, uh, Christopher says, uh, what low watt amp would I buy? Would I buy if you were wanting to stack? Wait, what, what, amp, what low wattage amp? I'm going to rephrase this. I'm going to kind of read it a little bit. Uh, what low wattage amp would I buy if I was wanting a stack amp for the bedroom? Uh, colorful preferred like a stack amplifier. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really 100% sure, Christopher, of the question. I think when I think of wanting a stack amplifier for the bedroom, I'm thinking like uh, like this, like a cabinet head thing, or you're talking about like mini cabinets. Um, what I'll tell you is this, it'll make things easy. Out of all the amplifiers I have, the amplifier that I love the most is my Dirty Shirley. It's just my favorite little amp, okay? Uh, definitely, I go to it more than more than probably anything else. It's in 90% of the videos I record because you guys seem to really uh, be attracted to the sound. I have a small box here. To be honest with you, I love this small box, but I still like the Dirty Shirley more. And I really want the Twin Sister. I bought this because I wanted the Twin Sister. I'd saved up for the Twin Sister, and there's just nowhere to get one. I can't find a Twin Sister. There's one for sale, used, and he wants more than retail. So... You know, there was just that, that's what it was. And uh, I know Robert, uh, one of the owners of Friedman, and Robert was kind enough. He was coming to town. His, his mom lives in Tucson, and he was coming down. And we had lunch that day, and he brought the amp, and I bought it from him uh, for, and he gave me a deal, which was nice. And uh, so I have it. Um, but as much as I like it, I still like the Dirty Shirley more. That being said, that's what I like. But the amp I would recommend to most people is that Fireball 25. I, think, man, it, every, I feel like out of all the amps I've recommended over the years, cause I've like, you know, a lot of the amps I've reviewed, a lot of the amps I have, I'll say like, oh, the Hughes and Kittner is good. It is. I'll say this amp's good. Cause it is. I'll talk about, you know, all kinds of amps, you know, the DT amp, the, you know, all these amps I've recommended. I've never had so many people tell me after they bought one amp that it, I like, I'm nailing it. Like they were like, yes, you're right. It's the metal sound. Yes, you're right. It's the rock sound. Uh, it's a great amp. So I think that's your question. So that's what I'm going with. Um, Okay, so Meester also said, Music Store Live, San Diego, online first, then later added a showroom, best of both worlds, boutique, Donald, I have no idea what all this is, man. <laughs> I, I love you, but I'm like lost. So I know who Music Store Live is, online first, then they later a, a showroom for best of both worlds. 
Okay. We'll have to come back to that. Chad says, just because I appreciate your transparency and entire ethos carry on, kind sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. And like I said, it's it's because I think that's what this channel is predicated on. Know Your Gear has always been predicated on this idea of like, okay, you can read manuals. They have theories. But well, how does it really work? Whether that's the industry, whether that's stuff. And, and again, not because I have the answers, because I'm looking for the answers. And as I'm looking, I'm sharing what I find. Jay Harvard says, thanks for what you do. Much appreciated. I was given a bone stock 1989 USA made PV furry base. Ah, okay. P base copy. Any upgrades I should consider? That's the, that's the sharp max I'm about to do is a P base. And I'm going to show you what pickups I'm putting in and stuff. So that's what I would suggest is the pickups I'm about to do. So I, sadly enough, I can't tell you because I want, that's the core of what I'm after. It's a 62 pickup P base set that I really, really like that I'm going to put in this base. So. Let's see. Um, so I'm going to end on the Meester's uh, question, which is Sweetwater. He said his wife is in business and says Providence. He's talking about Providence is the company, the uh, venture capital company that's basically got in bed with uh, the, the Sweetwater people. He says, and he doesn't drain them. Well, interesting enough. Uh, so I talked about that last week, uh, Providence acquiring, you know, the some some of the uh, Sweetwater and, and what they're doing. And of course, you guys have commented and none of you seem to be wrong. I, I, everybody's uh, assessment, everything from, look, it's it's totally prudent and smart to not trust a venture capital company. It's totally prudent not to trust most corporations, big, especially big ones. They tend to be the, there's a reason why they're made out to be the, the villains in so many movies. They tend to do villainous type things. Um, there's a lot of things to be concerned about in this. And I think a lot, but I guess, and I, I think my point went over well, really well last week, but something I want to kind of add to that, that kind of ties into what he's saying, which is, I really think if there is evil there, which there might be, it's long-term. And that's what I was getting at, is that I think at first, before any, you know, before anything goes wrong, <laughs> you know, I mean, all the things that go wrong uh, with this deal, I think they're going to grow and become colossally huge, which actually is bad and good. And here's why it's bad and good, because I think when, if they do, uh, you know, strip the company and all that stuff that everybody thinks might happen because it's possible it could happen. I think it'll be done much later, but it will be done when it's even even bigger and a bigger, scarier mess. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But I really believe this when I'm telling you guys this based on everything I, I, I've i learned uh, working with them and working on this YouTube uh, environment, interacting with these companies and seeing how this is working on the internet um, and the scale in which I've seen it. You know, um, one of the things that I'm what I, I'm telling you guys is that, you know, just because I'm making videos on YouTube doesn't mean that's not what I'm saying when I'm saying on you, I'm on YouTube. When you see hundreds of thousands and millions of link transactions and views and see how the and comments, when you see all this interaction out there, when you see how the internet's moving, when you see it flow, you kind of get a sense of the market. And I'm telling you, these these guys are going to grow. I mean, we think Sweetwater's big. I think they're going to get colossal. I think this is what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to basically put some uh, nitrous in the car, so to speak, and make this thing even bigger and faster. So we'll see how that works out. But at first, I think you'll see it's a bigger thing. Um, so, so there you go. That's where I, so, uh, and so, you know, um, I uh, thank you guys for everybody who sent me emails about this. A lot of you guys are in the finance business industry and talked about Providence and stuff and what you knew. And most of it was very positive. I was actually really shocked to hear how positive, um, and how they basically, uh, work with a lot of companies and, and, um, 
and Top Golf's one of them and grew them and stuff. But uh, but also, I want to tell you what I learned, and this is why I said I kept it in the show because I figured if you're into the show, you might be interested in this. I also learned uh, that from Sweetwater during this week. Um, they didn't official like reach out to me and give me official statements like we saw your video and here's the official statement. None of that stuff. Just casual talk about we were like I said, I've been interacting with them this week for the Reverend guitar after that video or talking to you guys about that. They were letting me know that all of the core management team is staying in place. That's a big that's a big sign because as you know, usually that's left in the air. You know what I mean? Now, if anybody's gonna make this comment, I already know what you're gonna say. But they might change everything later. Of course they could. But the point is they're not changing it right now. So that tells us something. So, um, so interesting. Um, so, uh, let's see, hold on. And then, um, <laughs> Guitar Knot says, always be skeptical. Well, I, that's what I think is the, uh, you should be skeptical, but you shouldn't let the skepticism uh, blind you of anything either. You know what I mean? I, I you know, the, what's the saying, uh, you know, uh, you know, anticipate, ex, you know, anticipate the worst, but you know, prepare, what's the saying, right? Prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. I think that's it. Prepare. That's kind of what I'm saying with this. Um, but like I said, it's not even about that. It's not that, I th- that I'm wishful thinking that they're going to do well. I'm thinking they're going to go well. I think it's going to, like I said, I think this is going to be gas on a fire and we'll see if I'm right. But but if I'm right, you'll you'll know it. I'm telling you, I'm if I was you guys, I'd be prepared to see Sweetwater growing at a crazy number soon. Like you're gonna see it everywhere. It's gonna be like Amazon. It's gonna you can't get away from them, and that's what it is. So if you don't like them, <laughs> it's gonna suck. And if you do like them, well, it's gonna make things great because they're gonna get a lot more brands and they're gonna be a lot more aggressive. And then. Uh, Oh, Providence, uh, Meester just said, Providence tends to not do that, but many do. Sorry for the other chat with all the spaces. Won't do it again. I appreciate Meester. I like I said, it was just, it was, uh, appreciate your super chat. Yeah. Like I said, Providence seems pretty legit. I mean, look, I, I definitely get that this is still Sweetwater's baby. They're not really to let it go. I, I will also tell you this too. There's another thing. And I want to say this with some care. Um, when I talked about you guys, a lot of people have referenced Bain Capital and the Bain Capital buyout of Guitar Center, which wasn't a buyout, but it was kind of, you know, acquisition of sorts in the beginning. There's a big difference between that and this. And so all I'm telling you guys, and, and when I say there's a big difference, that doesn't mean it will be different. You could be right, just like Bain. They could basically shove a lot of debt in Guitar Center, cripple Guitar Center, right? But here's something to think about with Guitar Center and Bain and Providence with Sweetwater that maybe makes a difference. The biggest thing I saw then as a deal, because I was owned a music store. When, when, when Bain acquires Guitar Center, I had a store. I was a dealer growing my store, right? Um, physically growing. I moved from the 1,500 square foot or 1,400 square foot space to the 3,200 square foot space, right? We were moving and stuff. And that all happened right then. And so it was the reason why I'm telling you this is that's why I remember because you're like, I'm investing even more money into this business. And now I'm hearing the guitar center is going to get supercharged from an investment capital company is kind of scary, right? Like how many guitar centers are going to open my town now? You know what I mean? At that time, think of this. When I was growing my store, they had three. Now they have five. So they, they opened another two. There was talks of opening nine when Bain was going crazy. And as a dealer, all you're thinking is like, what are you going to do with nine damn guitar centers in my town? Um, 
But here's the major difference between this. Where Bain's biggest mistake, which is a ton of mistakes in that, and if you want to know, you can watch and read all the stuff about Toys R Us and all that stuff, but the big difference between Bain and Guitar Center versus this that you have to pay attention to, that I'm paying attention to, is this. We didn't know at that time that retail was dying. None of us did. The world, me, all of you, (laughs) Guitar Center, Bain, no one knew what was coming when Bain invested into Guitar Center. Guitar Center gets invested in, and then basically they buy back all the stock. And I've told you this story before. I own stock in Guitar Center, so I received some of that. The, I received my, my cash out on that. And then what, what happens is they buy back the stock because they're going to basically grow Guitar Center, and then they're going to put Guitar Center up and to basically you know offer a stock op, uh, again. But what happens with it's interesting is, is that they... They basically buy, you know, acquire Guitar Center and they think they're going to grow Guitar Center. And then the internet really, and then the recession comes, which supercharges the internet. Because when the recession comes, everybody starts pinching pennies and the internet's a great place to do that. So that's kind of what happens. Why I say that's important is, is they invest in Guitar Center and then Guitar Center doesn't grow because that business model changes. It'd be like if Bain invested into Blockbuster three weeks before everybody decided to go online with movies. What's happening with Sweetwater, which is why I'm telling you it's slightly different, is they're investing in Sweetwater. This is the, like I said, I believe, and this is where I believe this. This is my opinion. I believe the internet is not not in its heyday. It's starting. This is where it starts. And the reason is I can tell you month after month growth. I watch how you guys do, and more and more of you are like, oh, I guess I'm buying on the internet. I mean, the comments about how I will never buy on the internet and only buy in stores – they used to be 20 comments per video. They're barely one now. That's a change in mentality. I can see it. I can see from your comments. I, see, I, wa- I interact with you guys every week. I see what you ask me. I see what you're saying. I, I read about, I don't know, 100,000 comments a month, <laughs> right? I see what you guys are saying. And I can see how the mentality of the customer changes in the viewer. And we're changing. And we're buying online. And if Sweetwater is dominating online, it's going to be an interesting mess. And that's why I wanted to put this in. That was a little business talk and boring stuff, and I thought I'd end with that. Now it's time to go have fun. What I mean by that is I'm going to go get my amp. I will promise I will post a picture of it on Instagram for those of you curious. And the rest of you, I hope you guys have an amazing Labor Day. If you're not in the United States, I don't know what holiday you might have this weekend, but if you have one, enjoy it. If not, please just enjoy your guitar like everybody. Play guitar, have fun, be safe. And uh, I will see you next Friday for another episode. And as always, thank you guys so much for joining me, for being part of this community. And uh, I will see you next week.